Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. As we have a smoking show for you once again today. If you thought yesterday was good, you know, Carney Lansford, Jason Giambi. Well, today we're going to have the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, David Forrest, on at 415. Steve Vucinich, our A's historian and, of course, Oakland A's Hall of Famer, to talk about the Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Sunday at 445. The manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Dave Roberts, is going to be here at 510. Marty Lurie at 530. Our buddy, he is a – also another – it's like Hall of Fame day. He is a <laughs> – Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer, the great Marty Lurie at 530, and then Mark Kotze will be at 6 o'clock. So David Force at 415, Steve Vucinich 445, Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers at 510, Marty Lurie at 530, and Mark Kotze at 6 o'clock. So the biggest news in baseball, because what we do here on A's Cast Live is we do A's and we do Major League Baseball. The biggest news was the trade deadline. I think everybody would agree with that. And for the A's, trading Jace Peterson, Sam Mole, wasn't huge news for Joe Boyle and Chad Patrick. And we knew we were going to have David Forrest on today. And we were going to ask him about it. But you had big names, titans in the game, who were traded. You had one of the most unique situations in the history of baseball where the Mets 
are using money in a way we have never seen before. Like, it's crazy. Like, literally crazy what they're spending and what they're doing. And that's the story. So we were on that yesterday, and it's funny. So we we wanted to play something for you because we had a loyal fan who has just been out of shape yesterday. And just kept on. Was it was it on YouTube or YouTube. Facebook? It was YouTube comment. Uh, ooh, it was a comment on one of them. It was either YouTube or Facebook. Just could not believe that we're not talking about the A's trades and Kirby Sneed. Like, why are you not talking about Kirby Sneed? So, you know, the customer is not always right, but we like to take care of the customer because I do not like fans trying to program the show there's a reason why they don't program shows but here we're gonna we're gonna satisfy because unfortunately this person was really bent out of shape so i just want to satisfy the itch and let everybody know why a lot of the times we haven't brought up a's games from the night before there's a reason so our fan was really upset. Like, why are you not talking about Kirby Sneed? He's coming back. Here's your Kirby Sneed. And we get this matchup. 13 years after Kirby wow. Sneed was in the stands at Turner Field in Atlanta to see Jason Hayward hit his first major league home run. They match up at Dodger Stadium. And Hayward, it's a high fly ball, deep right center field, way back. You cannot make that up. He homers to right center. And it's nine to one, Dodgers. You know, going around to the crowd, you're pumping in. Uh, that's why we don't bring up Kirby's need. But there you go, you got it. Any more? Any more questions? Do you, you need? Do you need any more answers to your questions? Anybody on Facebook or YouTube? Uh, nothing so far today. No. Okay. Just want to make sure if we got all of our. Kirby Sneed, part of the program, out of the way. We good? Yeah, we're good. Should okay, we, we're should, good. Should, should we tell everyone what the, the, the news today, though, or the, the roster move so we qualify that, you know, we have more people coming back? Um, I You really can't make up who's leading off tonight. You really, you can't. Well, well, well it ties into who's back. Uh, A's recall infielder Jonah Brad, who's leading off in DHing today against Julio Urias. And Zach Neal's back from Las Vegas. Hogan Harris was optioned to AAA. And Tyler Wade, for the second time this year, designated for assignment. If you're at Dodger Stadium and you're a Dodger fan and you look up and you see that Jonah Bride is leading off with a 189 average, zero home runs, zero stolen bases, four RBIs, what are you thinking? Uh, uh, if I'm a Dodger fan? You're a Dodger fan. <clears throat> the guy leading off tonight just got called up, batting a buck 89, zero home runs, zero stolen bases. I'm just going to check his, let, you know, because usually you want your on-base guy to have a really good on-base percentage, right? Isn't that kind of part part of the deal here, of what, how we play the game of baseball? 313. 313. And a slug of 208. Uh, if I'm a Dodger fan and I'm taking off my A's hat and baseball hat and I'm just a Dodger fan, I go, who the hell is Jonah Bride? Yeah. Yeah. 
that that that's kind of one of the reasons we've, we've stayed away from certain things. Well, if Max Muncy was leading off, which I don't think he's in the line. Oh, no, Max Muncy's hitting 193, but he has 27 home runs if he was leading off. And he has 70 RBIs. I, I can live – I can live with 193 when you got 27 bombs and 70 stakes. I, I I can live with that. I I I don't know how Mark Kotze and the staff can come up with. And we'll have Mark Kotze. We had Mark Kotze before the lineup came out. I probably wouldn't have brought it up anyway. I just don't know where the data says Jonah Bride is Jonah Bride a burner that I don't know about. Uh, not that I remember, no. no. He plays good defense, but it doesn't matter. He's DHing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, we got our wish, though. Who's who's batting ninth and playing first? Well, Soderstrom's in the lineup, so he's back in the lineup. So and I'm, he's playing first. I'm, I'm happy about Blade is still in the lineup. Thank God. I will say this, and something that we will talk to Mark Kotze about, and we'll bring it up to with the general manager, David Force, here in moments, is I do miss – Ruiz I do miss Ryan Noda they were two young players that were progressing I mean, obviously Ruiz was leading the National League in stolen bases and uh, he was either tied or in the lead for walks in the American League in Ryan Noda so there were two guys that you were looking at and you're going okay here you go two guys that you can build around and I'm looking forward, I believe, and we'll find out here in moments when we think Ruiz is going to be back in the lineup. And then how will that affect the lineup? Like, I still want to see Blade play, but Ramon Laureano is still here. Seth Brown is still here. Tony Kemp is still here. I mean, you, get, you, get, you know, how are you going to juggle young, older, who plays, who doesn't, who needs to? We are going to find out. Uh, one of the comments... Before we get to the comments, earlier today, you brought this up to me, and it's been this kind of like this trading deadline and this offseason has kind of given us a view of what the future is going to look like. What is going to be the future? And there's an article. Is it Ken Rosenthal? Ken Rosenthal in Athletic. Ken Rosenthal does does an article about the potential – uh, Rodriguez had 19 teams that he could go play for. We're talking about uh, the lefty from the Tigers. Eduardo Rodriguez. S- starred in Boston. Erod for short. He had the opportunity to be traded. They finally worked out a trade with the Dodgers. He turned it down. And a lot of people in the game go, you turned down leaving Detroit to go play in L.A. for a chance to win a championship. Uh, people are puzzled by it. His agent then like good agents do, has to run cover. So what's the best way to run cover for a guy that looks – it just looks bad when you turn down a trade to a team that's a way better team with a chance to win a championship, you bring up wife and kids. And he didn't have a problem with the wife and kids leaving Boston to Detroit, but somehow now has a problem with wife and kids leaving Detroit for for Los Angeles. Ken mentions in there they're based in – they're not even based in either city. Yeah, they're based in Miami or something. Was it so Miami? the whole thing is whatever. Um, but then they're talking about Sonny Gray. When you look at the standings right now, and a lot to get into today is Max Scherzer survives a rough start and <laughs> ends up getting. <laughs> Wasn't a good first inning for him. Well, it didn't look like it was going to be a good first inning. Doesn't matter. He rebounded pitch yeah. great, was scoreless after that. 
Jack Flaherty made his debut against the Blue Jays for the Orioles. He was fabulous today. There, I mean, Scherzer in the end, six innings, three Ernie's, nine strikeouts. Those three were in the first. I mean, obviously, Jeter's new team, he settled down through five scoreless after that. Uh, very impressive. So a lot to talk about that with that. But this whole article about they might have thought about trading Sonny Gray when they're in first place, but they don't trade Sonny Gray, not because – we're in first place. Why would we trade Sonny Gray? He's having a great year. The fact they may not have traded Sonny Gray because Sonny Gray is a free agent, and if Sonny Gray gets a contract from somebody else, they're going to give him the qualifying offer, which will be probably somewhere around nineteen, twenty million. It was like eighteen something last year. I think it was eight. Was eighteen point six or eighteen point eight? Yeah, so, it's going to be over nineteen. Though. So, Sonny Gray will sign with somebody else. They'll get a draft pick. That the reason why Sonny Gray is still a twin is not because they want to win. It's This is according to Ken Rosenthal. It's not because they want to win and they think he's going to help them win the division right now that they lead by two over Cleveland, and Cleveland's punted their season. It's the whole thing about Sonny Gray. They believe someone's going to sign Sonny Gray to a nice contract and they're going to get a draft pick for it. So here's what it says. In exchange of, say, Gray, it all talks about three team trades and all the different 19 different teams that Erod could have went to. And he says, as of as, an exchange of, say, Gray for Rodriguez would have been tricky for the Twins considering that Gray is eligible for the qualifying offer. You can't get the qualifying offer if you're traded in the season, and Rodriguez is not. So if I trade you to, I don't know, Houston – that qualifying offer goes away. you got to be with the team the entire year. Correct. Rodriguez, though, is the better pitcher and likely better than virtually every other starter the Dodgers were trying to acquire in a three-team deal. A team that acquired him perhaps could have justified the loss of draft pick compensation that way, but the bigger issue with Rodriguez by far was his opt-out. So we're now worried about opt-outs, and we're worried about qualifying offers. Nowhere in there are we talking about you're leading the division. All we've been hearing in the trading deadline is team control, team control, prospects, team control. It's like everybody, like remember after Moneyball, we started talking about how every copycat league, everybody's playing Moneyball. We're now in a world where everybody is like, more worried about your future than you are where you are today. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. Teams right now are so worried about next year, the year after that, prospects versus where are you today. You know who's worried about today is the team that used to be worried about tomorrow. But they use that worrying about tomorrow to build a championship team, and now they worry about today, and that's the Houston Astros. Right? You yeah. You get Verlander. You're going to pay Verlander's money. Wait, wait. You want, you want our number one prospect? Here you go. You want this guy? Here you go. But we're talking – it's, it's a strange world. It is a really strange world. And a man who has been living in this strange world, who has watched this thing all these years – David Force joins us for the David Force Show right here on A's Cast Live. David, how are you? Hey, Tony. Hey, Cody. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Um, 
First off, do you like the way it is now to where we got a trading deadline, there's a cutoff, boom, boom, no waiver process whatsoever? If you're going to get your guy, you got to get him now. <laughs> well, I don't know, stop me if you've heard this one before, but I, I prefer flexibility. <laughs> and uh, and I think, yeah. the, you know, the way we had it for a long time with trade waivers still allowed you to make moves if you needed to after after the July 31st deadline, or I guess this year it was August 1st. But uh, look, there's there's certainly an urgency created. Um, I think without without any deadline whatsoever, you know, guys always sort of push push it off and, and wait to see what they can get. But um, but yeah, we you know, we work within the rules we're given. So I guess it was an exciting day on Tuesday. And that's something you've always been so honest about. Just tell me the rules and that's how we're going to play and be prepared for. What was your phone like? Was it just ringing off the hook? What was it like heading up to the deadline? I mean, we, we stayed pretty busy. Obviously, we ended up making two deals, uh, three if you include, you know, Fujinami about a week plus before the deadline. But, um, you know, I think we we understood sort of where we were in the pecking order in terms of, of trade conversations, who who the guys on our club were that, that were going to generate interest, uh, and also who we just weren't going to talk about. I mean, there were... There were certainly calls and, and asks on, you know, some of the young pitchers, some of the young position players who who we really do see being here in the next contention cycle, the next playoff team for the A's, and didn't make sense to talk about those guys despite the requests. I mean, if someone says, hey, we're, uh, we're kind of thinking Geloff, do you just go, really? <laughs> really? Um, God, did I get a call on Geloff? I don't know that I got that one specifically. How about Medina? Because Medina's dealing right now. Yeah, Luis has had a pretty good month. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Medina, Sears, Noda, uh, all these guys generate interest. As soon as you start contributing, there are playoff teams out there that, you know, look, if you entertain the conversation, you never know what you might end up with. And that's kind of our job to do the due diligence and at least look into it. Um, but like I said, I, I think we feel like a lot of the guys who are here right now uh, are making progress, have a chance to grow with us and you know, obviously the results on the field aren't what we want right now, but I think I think you can see in, in certain games or, you know, certain at-bats or certain innings, there's, you know, you see what the progress looks like and see what it might what it might be down the road. I'm glad you bring up Noda because we talked to Mark Kotze earlier today about this, and you know how much I like him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I miss him. I miss Ruiz, right? <laughs> Ruiz was leading the National League. I mean, he was leading the all-baseball in stolen bases. Noda was leading the American League in walks. It was it, They were fun to watch every day because you know they're a part of the future. I, I know that's how I feel watching it every day. How do you feel about it? you got to miss them too. No doubt. No doubt. I, yeah, you miss, you miss watching the excitement. You miss having them be part of the group and get those – those reps and sort of, you know, what I just said is sort of see the, see the light, see what it looks like at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I'm excited. We're going to get both those guys back hopefully soon. SD maybe as soon as this weekend. Uh, Noda, we're hoping he goes out to play next week. Um, but yeah, I, I miss having them out here too. And, um, and I think, you know, when you put them with the group that that's sort of getting reps right now, I think it's, you know, it just, it's that much more fun to watch. Again, results are what they are, and, and we're going to try and win more games. And, and we had, you know, we had a nice three series in Colorado where 
you know, you mentioned Luis, you get to see him pitch and you see some of these guys hit the ball the way they can. So um, to get, yeah, getting SD and Noda back absolutely will be an important part for the last couple of months. All right. Looking back at the trading deadline, I was open to whatever you're going to be able to make happen. You, you, you were able to move Sam Mall. You were able to move Jace Peterson. Obviously, you're looking for pitching. You're trying to get as much pitching into the organization. Joe Boyle is a big guy out of Notre Dame. Chad Patrick is a guy that you're looking at, a fourth rounder. So you got a fifth rounder and a fourth rounder, two guys who can start, probably do other things. Talk about the two pitchers you're bringing into this organization. Yeah, I think a lot is made of us sort of specifically targeting pitching. Um, and, and obviously when you look at our trades over the last couple of years, there's, you know, there's a lot of pitchers in them. We you know Waldachuk, Sears, Medina, all in our rotation right now, all uh, you know, all came in the same trade. Uh, we are really out there looking for the best player. I, I can tell you, we, we talked about a lot of position players over the course of the last week in conversation. We just, we landed on these two guys. Um, I'm excited about Joe Boyle. No doubt. It's a, it's a big arm. It's a big fastball. Uh, when you line him up on paper, he looks a lot like Louie did when we traded for him a year ago. The stuff is there. The command needs work. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think Louis really put in the work. I mean, this guy is a he's a worker. He's a good student. He knows what he wants. So it's not you know we don't have a magic formula, but I but I like our odds of you know getting this guy in the strike zone. He's going to pitch, I think tomorrow night for Midland. So I'm excited to see him go out there. And the same with Chad. You know, four or five pitch guy has competed in Double A. In fact, he he shoved against Midland uh, just last week. So that that didn't hurt his cause for coming over here in a deadline trade. But uh, yeah, adding two starting pitchers at the double A level was, was a really good outcome for us. I'm not sure if there's a difference in the numbers than when you first started and where we are now, but it's like every day I wake up like McClanahan with Tampa. At one point we're like, this guy's going to win the AL Cy Young award. He's going back to Tampa again to look at his forearm and his elbow. I mean, every day you wake up, somebody's hurt. So is it different trying to build pitching, not only, at the big at the big league level, but also in the minor leagues with so many guys hurt, Caprellian just you know now surgery. It's just is it tougher now to get the depth inside the entire organization than it was when you first started? I don't know if it's tougher now, but unfortunately, it's not. It's not any different, despite a lot of the things that we've done to try and take care of arms and and you talk about pitch counts and innings limits and, you know, sort of cutting back on workload. God, I just don't know that we found the right formula and it's too bad because, you know, there's so many talented guys out there who are being held up because of injury. I mean, shoot, don't, you don't have to look much further than Mason Miller in our, in our clubhouse right now. Um, and, And look, Mason is, He's getting ready to to throw a live VP, I think, next week. And he's you know, he's got a couple two up bullpens. He's you know, we're kind of holding our breath and crossing all our fingers and toes that uh that this one sticks. But it's hard to keep guys healthy and you know that as you know, as someone who puts together a roster, puts together a farm system, you gotta have depth and you gotta have layers and layers of reinforcements and it just it's still part of our game, no doubt. And I, I know for me, obviously, after the game, when you talk to the fans, we're going to get to this point as you get later into August where there's veteran guys, younger guys. You want to see the younger guys play. 
you weren't able to – I don't know how many more of the older guys you tried to trade or you weren't able to trade, but just talk about that dance as you get later in the season. Next thing you know, September call-ups. You're looking at Lawrence Butler at another big night in Las Vegas last night. Everybody's buzzing about it. So what is that like from the front office standpoint? Because veterans have a lot of pride, and you want to treat them well, but yet you want your young guys to play and develop. Look, it's the same balance we've been trying to do all year, you know, sometimes more successfully than others. Um, you, you recognize the value of experience and, and what, it, what it teaches guys about how to go about their business every day, what it teaches guys about what it means to be a big leaguer and how to win. So uh, you, you just you can't roll out there with a group of 26 rookies. It just doesn't work. Um, you know, the, the manager does absolutely everything in his power to teach these guys. And, and obviously he was a great player in his own right. And he can, he can impart on them the lessons that he learned, but the reality is it, it comes from the other 25 guys in that room. And, and you look around, if you're a player and you, you try and find role models of, of how you do it, how you prepare, how you work out before and after the game, how you, you know, hold yourself in the dugout, all these things have to come from guys who've been there before. So it's, it is a balance. And, and, you know, going back, you know, your first question that where I talked about having less flexibility than we used to, like you only get two roster spots now in September. So you get a one position player, one pitcher. We used to have that's kind it. Of an unlim- yeah, you only get to go to twenty eight in September. Wow. So, and you have a fourteen, you know, fourteen pitcher max. So um it's not like yeah it's not like those years where you could bring up five or six guys and and let them let them get their feet wet so it's you had a whole nother bus you had to get for some of these teams yeah no there were years we drove mickey nuts with all the guys that we brought up so um no it's yeah it's part of part of the game that changes a lot you, you sort of figure it out and and you balance young and old you balance winning and development none of that stuff changes just because the calendar turns to september that changes a lot. You're only getting one guy, so position player. So as I'm sitting here ranting and raving at night after the games, Hernandez has to come up, Butler, Harris, all the – you got one guy to bring up in September. That is that is definitely different. Very interesting. Also interesting, you know, you love when you look at fan graphs and you see this piece on Medina where it starts talking about his year is eh, replacement level, as they like to say. But you look at this month and he's pitching like an ace. I know we can look at all the all the data you want. I'm just saying, just looking at him, the confidence. You could just see in a professional athlete when the light starts to go on. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his eyes. You can see it when the camera's on him in the dugout. Just this month, he has changed. What have you seen? Well, I've seen the performance change, but the, the look in his eyes that you're talking about, I think that's been there since we got him. I think, you know, I mentioned earlier, this is a guy who who works constantly, who studies, who wants to learn. Emo, Emo has told me time and time again since Louie got here, you know, how much this guy watches. He watches other guys throw their sides. He goes down there with a purpose when he throws his own sides. Um, and, and I don't know if you remember, but, but Mark went to the Dominican last offseason. He had dinner with seven or eight guys who were down there. Um, you know, a couple of guys in the roster, a couple of minor league guys. And I remember him calling me afterwards and saying like Medina really made an impression because it was a mixed bag from him last year when he came over had a couple starts, he didn't get out of the first inning. You know, the command was an issue and everyone was saying, Oh, this guy's just a reliever. 
Um, but but we didn't really know we had. And Mark called me after that dinner he had. He said, "Hey, Medina, this guy wants to win. He wants to be good." Um, and it you know it's not a it's not a finished product. But you're right. What we've seen in the last month with the you know the breaking ball, the success he's had, getting swings and misses in the strike zone, you know throwing strikes with his fastball. These are sort of all the ingredients that you hoped would come. And that uh, if he if he does put it all together for an extended period of time, you know, give him a chance to be a really good major league pitcher. You know, when people are successful in business, see, for some reason in sports, fans don't like to think of this as a business. But if you read any type of literature about successful people in this world and people have been very successful in business and they can be bold and they can be innovators, they can be all these different things. But one thing that a lot of them also have is patience. And (laughs) a lot of people aren't patient. We're not wired like that as human beings. Where you're talking like Medina, Medina comes up, he's walking the world. Oh, my God, what do we get from the Yankees? But you have to have patience. Talk about in your job. It's tough, but you have to have it if you're going to be successful and if you're going to do it for a long time. It's a it's a really hard thing to sort of remind yourself. I am not particularly patient. But I don't think I don't think Dan Feinstein is. I don't think Billy O is. I know Mark Kotze is not. Um, it's it is a really hard thing to remind yourself that you have to be. And and look, I, I don't think the fans want to have to be patient. That's not what they're you know that's not what they're looking for. Uh, they want to come out here and and see a winner. And and we do too. But. But you're right, Chris. Patience is is critical, and and it requires some vision too. I mean, you have to sort of look at what's gone on here this year and have a little bit of vision to say, like, hey, I'm I'm willing to pick out the positives. I'm willing to sort of look at at how guys are making progress little by little by little, and be patient for it all to come together. Because otherwise, otherwise, if you're not, you you make decisions that are mostly emotional and mostly aren't going to help you. So it's yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a huge, huge part of being successful. And there's certain guys that you look at. Like I'm a big Henry Bolte fan. Obviously, as a Bay Area kid from Palo Alto High, the first time we met him, you, I mean, I mean, his face looked like a high schooler. His body looked like he could be playing in the NFL. You're just like, gee, I, you have these guys, and they they might be a ways away. But when you start talking about the vision. Are you, are you seeing a guy like Henry Bolte and you see, like, folks, just wait. I know it's tough to preach patience, but in a few years, some of these guys are coming and they're going to be legit. Yeah, Henry's a good example. I know he had two homers the other night uh, in Visalia. Um, he's been really fun to watch kind of mature over the course of the year for a, a 19-year-old to go into the Cal League and, and do what he's done, you know, both show power, show patience, uh, just really kind of – stay afloat in that league has been great, but, but you're right. You know, you got Bolte there, you got, you know, Muncie moved up to double a now Jacob Wilson's with Susak in, in high a along with, you know, a guy like Colby Thomas, who very quietly has, you know, has had a really nice year and continued to get better over the course of the year. Um, and we've seen Lawrence and Hernandez and, and Harris move up. Um, you've, you know, you've got, a guy like Laz Armenteros in Double A, who again steady, steady progress. This guy's on a path to potentially be really good. So, uh, yeah, it's it's all part of the waiting game, and and you know it's it's good for us to sort of just be coming off the draft because it's a reminder that oh yeah, these these guys all start from a certain place, and it takes a little while 
to get there. You obviously have exceptions who get to the big leagues in 12 months or whatever it is, but, but the normal path still takes some time and you really, you have to wait for these guys. Patience. Gotta have patience. Gotta have pay. Not everybody can be like Al Kaline and leave the high school prom and be starting for the Tigers for the next twenty years. It just doesn't yeah. work that way. <laughs> you're you're dating yourself, Chris. If you had gone with Ken Griffey Jr., it would have made more sense. Well, I always bring him up because when we were in Detroit one time, it was just me in our broadcast booth, and he came in and said, "Excuse me, son, I'm Al Kaline," and I just turned around. I'm like. Oh my! Yeah, I know who you are. Like I was like, what? And he introduced himself and he said, "I'd like to sign baseballs for your community fund." I went, "Yes, sir, Mr. Kaline. I'll go down and get baseballs." I mean, it was like the most surreal thing ever. I always bring up Al Kaline; it's a great example. Hey, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. Uh, can't wait the next two two months. We're gonna hopefully see a lot of growth with your ball club and a lot of the young guys. That is the future, and patience is the word of the day. That's the, that's the idea. I'm looking forward to uh, a couple good crowds this weekend against the Giants. I'll see you out here on Saturday. Oh, quickly, one more. The A's Hall mm-hmm. of Fame, it, it's very, very special. Uh, yes. Obviously, Jason Giambi, you've known him very well for years. Just uh, a quick thing about Jason Giambi and how great this new A's Hall of Fame is where we celebrate the greatness of this organization. No doubt. It's going to be a fun, fun day on Sunday. I'm so excited and happy for Jason and Kristen and their, their family. I mean, he is, he's responsible for a lot of my, my great memories here at the A's. I mean, my first few years, you know, Jason was kind of a larger than life figure. And you think about, you know, the home run off Stanton to walk it off and, and some of the, you know, the playoff hits and yeah, to sort of have followed his career, obviously he came back here for a stretch, but he's, he just is, is such a huge personality and such a big part of A's history um, that I'm really I'm excited, frankly, just to see him over the weekend. But but happy for him that he's getting this honor. Looking forward to to his speech on Sunday and and getting a nice a nice applause from the fans when he comes back home. Yeah, it's going to be very emotional. Great stuff. We'll see you this weekend. Okay, Tony. I'll see you. David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, and I went and looked it up. Because you're going to hear from Steve Vucinich. He's like, it was a Sunday. I'm like, no, because I remember at the time I was working at KMBR and I used to come over and do the A stuff because I'm the only one that liked the A's and they were all giant onks. And I'd come over and do A stuff and then I played on the KMBR morning show that I did with Gary Radnich. And I was there for this game. It was, I remember I did the show and then I came over and I'll never forget it. It was a huge – so I, I I looked it up, New York Times. Jason Giambi hit a majestic two-run, two-out homer in the ninth inning to give the Oakland Athletics their 11th straight victory, 4-2 to two, over the New York Yankees. Connected off Stanton on – or wait, was it on a Sunday? Look up August 12, 2001. I thought it was a Thursday. Because I would have worked that much. Maybe I was there on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, August 12, 2001, A's beat Yankees 4-2. Correct. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday, yeah. And it was Giambi's 1,000th career hit, a sweep of the Yankees. Oakland extended its longest winning streak since the team record 14. Team record was 14. I I have a feeling they're going to break that. Uh, I don't know where it it got to, but I think somewhere on 20, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're going to break that. Uh, the 14-game win streak was the A's record back in 1988, 
Mark Mulder did something that you just don't see anymore. Do you know what that? Do you know what that could be, Ace fans? What Mark Mulder did on that day, that Sunday against the Yankees? Complete game. He started the game, so he was the first one to throw the ball, and then he was the last one to throw the ball. Interesting. Is that a crazy concept? I mean, we did just see a left-hander do it the other day for the Astros, but it was a pretty rare feat. Well, well it's not really rare he, anymore. He had to do it in, like, how many he had? Like, 93 pitches. Yeah, it was a it was a he, he had a Maddox. He had a complete game under 100 pitches. I remember it popped up. I immediately went to watch it, and it was already over. It was like, boom, that, that ninth inning was boom, boom, boom. Uh, Mark Mulder pitched a seven-hitter and struck out seven to win his seventh straight decision. Chavi and Tejada both went back-to-back in the fifth inning. This is all New York Times. All-star reliever Mike Stanton, who, by the way, Mike Stanton is uh, now every once in a while, I've heard him on Sirius XM, Channel 89, the MLB channel, and he's really good. I mean, you think about it. Some guy some guy who you're not going to be like, ah, oh, it's a Yankee. Mike Stanton was a really good left-handed reliever, got a lot of big outs, but his knowledge of the game and the fact that he was, I mean, let's face it, that, that, that era of Yankee baseball was pretty spectacular. Who hit a home run in that game for the Yankees? <laughs> uh, it's not someone you're thinking of. Oh, well, that's no fun. No. I was going to go like, I was going to go Bernie, friend of the program. We've no. had Bernie Williams on. Was not Bernie. So, obviously, it wasn't Jeter. It wasn't Posada. He it wasn't. Th- he it, played third base that day. I wasn't going to say it wasn't Tino Martinez. It was not. They All these guys were in the lineup, though. Tino the Bambino. David Justice was in the lineup. He's obviously a fill-in, not a big-name guy. Um, his son plays Major League Baseball right now on the north side of Chicago. Wait, his, I, when you first I was going to – Charlie Hayes was gone then because Key Brian Hayes. Charlie Hayes was a part of the uh, first – did you know that they had Charlie – not to get off, but they had Charlie Hayes and Wade Boggs platooning at third? How, how, that's unbelievable. Remember Wade Boggs riding the horse after? All right, so his son plays – North the, side. On the north side. Not the south side. In Chicago right now. Former MVP. His son is. Former Dodger. Bellinger? Bellinger's dad? Clay Bellinger with a home run in that game. Really? <laughs> yeah, he was uh, actually two for three in the game with two runs batted in. He had both runs, a two-run homer. Shane Spencer, yeah. Alfonso Soriano. Look at that lineup. Tino the Bambino. Knobloch, Jeter, Bernie, Tino, Posada, Justice. Before he was old man Justice. Oh, this is the year. Shane Spencer, young Alfonso Soriano. Very young. And Clay Ballinger. The only two pitches in that game, Hall of Famer Mike Mussina and Mike Stanton. If you didn't hear Jason Giambi yesterday here on A's Cast Live, go to YouTube, the A's YouTube channel, watch it. It was about 17 minutes. He was fabulous. We don't get a lot of him, but he's fabulous. He's got a lot to say. Got very emotional. I mean, his father is one of the, is the reason he got into baseball. And his father's no longer here. And unfortunately, Jeremy, we know what happened with his brother who's recently committed suicide. I mean, this can be a very emotional moment for a lot of people. I, I don't think he gets through it in two minutes. No. I think it's going to be very emotional for Carney, too, as a, a guy that grew up in the Bay Area, grew up an A's fan. You know, 
as much as we sit here and we go, Simeon and Canna, they're Bay Area guys. They were Giants guys. Sorry. Carney Lansford was an A's fan growing up in the South Bay. Loved those teams. Bob Mel, it's what made Melvin different. Melvin didn't grow up a Giants fan, even though he played for the Giants. Melvin was an A's fan growing up. Jim Harbaugh was an A's fan growing up. Because when they were growing up in the 70s, the A's were the team. They won three straight World Series. They're in the playoffs, 71, 72, 3, 4, 5. I mean, they had the guys. Bob Melvin, he was on the Immaculate Grid today. Giant Red Sox great. I do not remember Red Sox great Bob Melvin. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Bill Mel. But he was on there. Really? He played for the Red Sox? I yeah. remember he was an Oriole. He was a Tiger. He was a, a Giant. No, he was Yankee, never a Yankee. Triple A, right? He was only played in Triple A. Yeah. Caught Mariano Rivera at the very end, but yeah, Melvin never actually played for the Yankees. Melvin played for the Red Sox? Yeah. I only remember that because I remember seeing it somewhere before. Because I remember I've, a lot of the managers, I know where they played, so, so I use them over. Like I use Gabe Kapler as much as I can. Cappy played for quite a few teams. Dodger great Gabe Kapler. Uh, Tampa Bay Ray great Gabe Kapler. Rocky great Gabe Kapler. Uh, Detroit Giants, Baltimore, Kansas City. Ba- no, he, no, he played nine games with the Yankees. He did get up for nine? Yeah. Bob Melvin with the Red Sox, uh, three home runs, 23 runs batted in, and uh, 222 batting average. I got to tell you, that's when I was in college, and I was not paying attention to <laughs> Bob Melvin, Kansas City Royal great in 1992. <laughs> God. Uh, it was a, well, it was, we didn't know Bob. <laughs> I didn't know Bob then, like I know Bob now. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting immaculate grid today. That's unbelievable. But, yeah, it's um, – I'm really looking forward to Sunday. I really am. It's, it's, you know, Stu's going to be there. And I can tell you there was a conflict with TV with Stu. Stu is going to be there. They, they found somebody else to do TV for Stu. I was in studio with them when they were working that out. And I'm like, and I was about to say something like, Stu, you got to be there. For, I mean, no offense, A's pre- and post-game live on NBC. <laughs> uh, and I like hosting it and the great Brody Brazil, but – uh, Dave Stewart, the A's Hall of Fame, is bigger than that, and you need to be there. And it's, uh, it's, it's. I'm so glad we did it. It's, it's phenomenal. We need a break. Yeah, let's take, let's get some sponsors in before we play Voos. Dodgers just emailed me. We're gonna give him a call at five ten. So we're Dave, good. We, we got the Dodgers manager today, Dave Roberts. We had Jason Giambi and Carney Lansford yesterday, and Brian Kenny from MLB Network. Are you kidding me? Look at the guests we're providing for you people. I'm gonna try to get Marcus Simeon next week too. Marcus. The Rangers in town. Marcus. If not, we'll sh- maybe we should shoot for Boach. Friend of the program. Yeah, he has been on. He we had him on oh, years ago. I've had uh, I've had Boachy on all kinds of pregame shows back in the day. Back when them Boach and you know, Caner and Timmy and Mad Bum. He's a horse and Bad Bum and and Buster. And now now I could say Scherzer's a horse. Oh my God. I well. used to wear that out, the whole horse thing. What is a horse? He's an old school horse. What the hell does that mean? Pitches deep in the games? Yeah, well, the new school horse goes four innings. He only plows a little bit of the field. Doesn't plow the whole field, just a little bit of the field. Coming up next, an A's Hall of Famer, the great Steve Vucinich, right here on A's Cast Live. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's one of the greatest Oakland A's of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame. He will be there on Sunday, and it is now one of the most special days on the baseball calendar for this organization. Steve Vucinich is with us. Vuce, it has been a while. How is retirement? You look great. It's going good. I, uh, I'm enjoying myself. I tell people, they ask me, he said, do you set the alarm clock anymore? I said, only for doctor's appointments and early tea times. <laughs> well, yeah, when you live in the Valley of the Sun, you better get up early to play golf. Uh, no doubt. We teed off one day at 6 o'clock and we're done at 9. Uh, we, I was only there for 24 of the 31 days that were over 110, and that was enough. You know, when I think about this Sunday and the players going in, we've got to interview three of them. And I think about that run of the 72, 73, 74 team. We interviewed, we uh, honored 73 this year. We did 72 last year. You were so close with these guys. What does it mean to get Gene Tennis into the A's Hall of Fame? Well, it's a long time, well-deserved. I mean, of course, we've only had the Hall of Fame for, what, three, four years. So it's going to take a while to get everybody caught up. But um, uh, it, it's important. He played his, a big part of his career, uh, more than more than the six years that it takes to be a free agent. He stayed longer, um, went to San Diego, and he bounced around, I think Pittsburgh, St. Louis, whatever. But uh, such a good guy, and Oakland A at heart. That's one thing you'll tell, talk to these guys. They may, might have gone on to success with other organizations, but their soft spot, the spot that means the most to them, is their days that they played in Oakland. Yeah, I, and I think about Gene and, you know, 1972, where he wasn't the household name in a series that were full of household names and guys that would be Hall of Famers. And here he is, keeps hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and he's the World Series MVP. And all of a sudden, he goes from a guy a lot of people don't know to back then, that's when everybody watched the World Series. Gene Tennis became a big deal real quick. Absolutely. Uh, he'd only hit five home runs during the regular season that year. And people were saying, geez, he hits two in the first two game, game first two at bats. And so, uh, but if you looked at his combined stats from 70, Two seventy-one when he got called up in seventy, and maybe a few days in sixty-nine, it 
added up to a full season. And I think lifetime at that point, he had some 20 some odd home runs. So it wasn't out of the norm for him to hit home runs. It was just kind of a surprise. His first two at-bats against the Reds, and he was from that area in Ohio, and that made it even more special for him. Yeah, and it's just so key to honor these guys while we while we still have them. And I think A's fans need to understand that. And as we, you know, with recently losing Vida, we need to honor these great players in this great generation of baseball. You can't tell the history of baseball without talking about these three championship teams and all the great players because, you know, you just don't know how long we're going to have them. That's so true. That's why it's important to get them in there and uh, honor them in front of the fans of Oakland and put their mark uh, in the Hall of Fame. Let's get them the green jacket and and treat them right and show them the respect they deserve for being in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, uh, everybody that's gone in so far, except maybe myself, is so well-deserved. But uh, uh, the, uh, the the guys that are in, and Reggie and Vida and Catfish, and unfortunately a couple of passed before they were inducted, but um, it's such a special moment in Oakland A's history. So I, I think about... Carney Lansford, and we talk so much about when Simeon and Canna were here and they were local guys. I, I, you know, I wasn't in the media at the time. I don't know how much that was talked about, but Carney Lansford was a guy who grew up in San Jose, grew up an A's fan, grew up loving those guys that showed up and next, you know, started winning in 71 all the way through 75. So for him to finally get to the A's, it meant so much because this is the team that, he grew up loving. What do you remember about that? And we traded for him for the 83 season. And uh, he came over. Uh, like I said, we had always talked about how he was one of the first guys to make the big leagues that had played in the Little League College World Series on a team out of San Jose or Campbell or somewhere down there. And uh, it was so special for him to come back and, and play for Oakland uh, make his home here until he ended up going up to Oregon. But he always maintained a home here through his uh, playing days with Oakland. And uh, he, he he had his whole family. I had two brothers that played in the big leagues too. And uh, it was quite a family. And, and it was nice to see them all come out to the ballpark and support the older brother who was finally playing locally. Yeah, you think about those teams and obviously superstars and Hall of Famers. And you look at that lineup and – Jose Canseco was the biggest star in baseball at the time. Mark McGuire's hitting home runs. Ricky Henderson's back. You can think about all that kind of stuff. And we actually talked to Carney where he got to play with Ricky before he went to New York. And then after he came back from New York, it was like two different experiences. But there is no question when you look at all those great players and you look at going to the World Series three straight years and winning the World Series in 89, there's no question the one real consistent guy offensively, defensively, it's Carney Lansford. What do you think of that? Well, not only just offensively, defensively, but he was a leader in a clubhouse. He was a guy that guys looked up to, that they respected. I mean, they liked Ricky, they liked McGuire, they liked Terry, but Terry and uh, Carney were the two real leaders of that club. And if anybody had any questions, anybody had any problems, they went to Carney. If somebody needed to speak up, it was Carney or sometimes even Stu. But Carney was undoubtedly the big leader there. And uh, 
he he's the guy that would walk around in a plane. He didn't want anybody sleeping. So if you were asleep, he'd bop you on the head, and it would hurt. But uh, uh, just a great person, great family. Uh, so glad and well-deserved to see him get hurt this way. I mean, it means a lot when you got a guy like Terry Steinbeck coming back to be here for his day. That means a lot to Carney and all of us, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then we're going to – Bring up Jason Giambi, who we just got to talk to. And you now talk about, you know, back to like that rock, rock star image where Jason Giambi comes up, he learns from McGuire and becomes the leader of the franchise. When the franchise really turns around, you know, Moneyball is all about 2002, but Moneyball really started before that. And it started with Jason Giambi as he became the clubhouse guy and the A's became one of the best teams in baseball. Just talk about what you remember with Jason Giambi when he comes up, and then, of course, he becomes a star and an MVP. I think he was two draft choice. We kind of followed his career getting up, and uh, he's, he had some great years in Oakland, and one of the greatest home runs I ever remember ever being hit in Oakland. It was like the Sunday afternoon. I think we were going for a sweep of the Yankees. Yes. And he was facing uh, Mike Stick. Facing Mike Stan, he fouled a bunch of pitchers off, and yeah. then finally he connected hit home run. And I'll never forget Bill King's call on that. He goes, Jason Giambi, you are the man. And it was so true. It was tough to let him go to the Yankees. We came close to signing him in that spring training before his final year with us. But uh, to me, he also should. He was an MVP in a, I'm sorry, 2000, but he also should have been it in 2001. They gave each row both rookie of the year and the MVP, but I thought Jason had the credentials to win it two years in a row. I totally agree. We went over the numbers yesterday, and, and obviously Ichiro was great, but Ichiro was like the new thing, and we underestimated Japanese baseball. We didn't give Japanese baseball the credit it really deserves. And now that we've all been over to Japan multiple times now, we know how good those teams are. We've now seen it in the World Baseball Classic, how good Japanese baseball is. It's like when Hideo Nomo comes over or Ichiro came over or Hideki Matsui came over. You know, it's like, oh, well, they'd be able to play here. And then when they were really good, you gave they were already professionals and we're giving them rookie of the year, for God's sakes. Uh, I think Ichiro got a big bump from that because Jason Giambi's year in, in, in 01 was better than his year in 2000. Hard to believe, but he was even better in 01. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The funny thing is, Ichiro came over, uh, and we played them a couple times, maybe as many as four games uh, against the Mariners in spring training. Ichiro did not impress a lot of people. They thought, geez, the, the guy's most, he's not cracked up to what it's going to be. Well, Ichiro was just sitting around waiting to turn it on on opening day, and then he became the player. i never forget uh, the next year, they're playing in Peoria, and a friend of mine who works for the Mariners says he's taking a golf cart out, taking equipment out to the, from the clubhouse to the stadium, and each of these players, are, and each they told him as well as a home game contest. He says, can I get in it? He says, well, yeah, I might as well. And he won it. I mean, he won the home run hitting contest, <laughs> and there was a Griffey there, and I think A-Rod was there. <laughs> I mean, he's just a determined player that could, I won't say ever turn it off, but he could turn it on and just excel. And Jason Jambi was like that, too. You talk about clutch hits, he got a lot of them for us over the years. And you think about Roy Steele, who's going in, you know, the voice of the stadium. And it was such a beautiful voice. It's, you know, the kind of voice that 
as soon as you hear it, you feel like you're at home. And he was there for so many years, and the the way he announced the players. I mean, you got to you got to hear it every single night. Yep, he. Uh, I, I think it was John Miller that first crowned him the voice of God. And that might have been when John was a broadcaster with us in '74. But he called him the voice of God. And since then, I've heard other announcers talk other radio TV announcers talk about PA announcers being the voice of God. But I think Roy was the one that earned that distinction and was called that first before anybody else. Yeah, it's a, it's a special class, and they're just going to keep getting better and better because, let's face it, there's so many deserving people that are out there that are going to get into this Hall of Fame. I think it's just so special, and you have to be so proud that you're a part of it and you're in it. Yeah, it was totally unexpected when they gave it to me. Uh, they they sent Dietra Page down to me, and then somebody else was taping, and I about fell down when they told me I was going in. And uh, it's it's uh, an achievement that I'm as most proud of as anything that I've ever done in baseball. I think just the longevity, the fact that I've worked through different ownerships, general managers, managers, coaches, and obviously a lot of players. But... Uh, um, to, to be admitted into a thing like that, just being what I call a sock and jock man, uh, it's really special. <laughs> well, I, 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 I've been looking at my mail now for weeks. I haven't seen any envelopes, any invitations for a retirement party. What's going on? What's happening? We, we slipping here? Are we, are we due for another one? I don't, aren't we in there a party coming up? Are we getting ready? I mean, when's it, is it going to be the winter or spring? We got to have another party. And you let him stick in for me? Hey, I'm telling you right now, we should milk this thing till they finally say no. Let's just milk this thing. <laughs> I, I'll never forget Bob Melvin told me just before the party a couple of days before. He said, are you having another one of these things? And I said, Bob, what if I had one? Well, I had a day at the end of uh, 2021. Uh, I had a fifth thing about four years before that. Um, but it was only really one real retirement party in spring training. You thankfully uh, MC'd it for us and did a great job. And the people that were there, it was really a who's who in Oakland A's baseball history from 1968 to 2022. So uh, I, I'm honored, and and uh, it was it was a real special day. I almost tear up every time I think about it. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. We miss you, and we'll see you on Sunday. You got it. Are you there on Saturday, too? I'll be there on Saturday. I'm there every day. So whatever day you want me, I'll be there. I'll holler. <laughs> okay. I'll holler at you. No party, no MC. Thanks, Downey. All right, Boo. See ya. The great Steve Vucinich. That was one of the honors of my career was hosting his retirement party. It was really cool. It was truly a who's who in the business when you got Hall of Famers, I mean, you're just going through the 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 people that were there, the World Series champions. I mean, you had MVPs, Cy Youngs, you had everything there. Wasn't Tito there? Yeah, Terry Francona was there. Walt Jockety. Walt Jockety was there. Bob Melvin. Um, Chili Davis was there. Talk about World Series champion. Former A's hitting coach. I mean, just you wouldn't believe, like, everywhere you turned, there was somebody – that was a big-time baseball person uh, from yesteryear. You were there? Uh, you know, no one really cared that I was there, even though I was the MC. I'm sure Bob Melvin cared you were there. 
Bobby cared. Bob Melvin cared that I was there. Had a nice I'm, I'm conversation sure, with Bob. I'm sure Mark Kotze cared you were there. Mark Kotze hounded me to go first. <laughs> How about this? How about this? You know this for a fact, that we always contact Mark Kotze, and we always contact David Forrest. Is that a fact? Uh, yes. David Forrest and Mark Kotze are never contacting us to come on. They're never like, hey, want to come on? Hey, what's going on? Hey, use this for your post-game show. Never get that. All of a sudden, I'm in Phoenix, Fahonix, Arizona, and uh, I'm getting text by Kotze. I'm getting text from Kotze, and then right after that, I'm getting text from David Forrest. They are competing to who will go first because they know – that the list that the great Dietrich Page has put together for everybody to talk, and it was this long list of people to talk, they're not going to go first. But they want to get out because they got to work the next day. So guess what? Who's in control of that? I just went Romo on it. Guess what? That's what I was waiting for you to acknowledge. Who's in control of that list? You are. I am. So now who's David Force caught? David Force owes me. Guess who's now texting me? David Forrest, Mark Kotze. Hey, Tony, you got to get me in first. You got to get me in first. And they never text me for anything else. How you doing? How's the holidays? How's the family? How's the kids? <laughs> Nothing. What do I get? Tony, can you get me on first? Can you get me to go first? I was the most popular guy that night. Melvin's trying to work to get in faster. I was getting worked by a- I was getting worked by A's royalty who could talk first. Who did- I- and by the way, that's when I learned a lot about what was going on with the A's. That was the night that I came back from that event. So I flew down just for that event because we had already been at spring training. We'd already done our our shenanigans, right? We had been everybody had been there, done that. It was at the end of spring training. The end of spring tra- it's so funny, like the end of spring training, people are limping out of there, right? They're limping out. Like you've been there for a month. Thank God we're not down there the whole time. But, you know, you get down and uh, Dave Roberts is next, right? Uh, yeah, but five minutes. Okay, so um, at the end of spring, NBC's gone. Brody's gone. We're gone. Everybody's gone, right? The beat writers are like, these are the final days. You know, who's going to make it? It was Pache or Rooker or all that kind of stuff, right? So when I got down there, it's down to the nitty-gritty, you know, a couple writers and that's it. And I was there for a couple days and being at that party and everything, and that's where I learned a lot about kind of where we are today with things, with the A's. And just to kind of take you behind the curtain – as we have always said, we're sticking to baseball. We're sticking to inside the lines. Outside the lines, we have no control over. It's just the way it is. We're stick, sticking inside the lines. And I know that ruffles, ruffles a lot of feathers. But just for our careers and our lives, it, that won't – getting into that world is, is going to be dangerous for us, very dangerous. So we have stayed away from it. But that's when I learned. And when I got back – and I still heard what people were saying here. I was like, oh, boy, they've got no idea. And I remember telling you, 
these guys, you know, what, what was being reported here by the time I got back from Steve Vucinich's retirement party was not even close to reality. Like, they didn't know. They were still going on YouTube and making guesses and talking percentages, and you're like, oh, boy, they're not, they're, they're not informed like they think they are. So whoever their sources are, and um, it is what it is. Dave Roberts, you know what's interesting is – so I got to play against Dave Roberts. We talked about that. I played high school football against Dave Roberts. I played college baseball against Dave Roberts and got a lot of respect for him. And, you know, you don't always win the World Series the years you're supposed to. It's, it's really the years like these years, which is so interesting, right? And I think back to how he won the World Series in 04. Nobody had the Red Sox as the team. Do you remember back? Yeah. I mean, forget being down 03, but, I mean, it was like no one – No, I mean, going into the 04 season, the Boston Red Sox, were they the team that you said – you knew they were good. You got Pedro and you got Schilling and you got Manny Ramirez. You got these guys. But it can be – it's funny how these seasons work where you can be the guy – or you can be the team that, th- yeah, you're going to be good. You're going to be in the playoffs. But it's your super team that you have the super Because last year was like a super team. They won, what, 111 games? Mm, correct. So it's like a super team, and they don't win it. And then you can go around the next year, and the next year you could win it. And people are going to be like, wow, how does this team win it? But last year's because you just don't know. That's why you always just got to get in. Uh, Dave Roberts running a few minutes late, as I was just told. So I'm going to put my phone up here to make sure when, when Dodgers PR texts me. But, yep, last time we spoke to him was right for the 2020 season. What the Dodgers do that year? Not saying that, you know, we're good luck, but yeah. I mean, we, if they win the World Series, you have to equate it to us, him being on with us. Yeah, we're going to tell him that. By the way, the last time, you may not remember this, but it was in the dugout. A's and Dodgers, we had you on after that COVID hit, but you'd win the World Series. Like, I don't know. Maybe we're a good luck charm. That's when, uh, was it Bobby Nightingale, our good friend, was saying that this could be a World Series preview, A's, yes. Dodgers. They are talking about World Series. Yeah, and it could have been. Could have been. Because the A's, remember, lost out at Dodger Stadium. You want to go way back, way back. Doesn't seem that way back, but 2020 – Take care of the Chicago White Sox at home. Go down to Dodger Stadium on the bubble, and the A's would end up losing to the the under 500 Houston Astros, who would then go to San Diego and lose to the Rays at Petco Park. And the Dodgers would be in Arlington at the brand-new stadium where they would set up camp. And that was definitely an advantage for them. I don't think there was really any advantage for anything in COVID, by the way. Uh, and I do I do think, and I, I, I will say this, what, what these guys all went through being in the bubble, being that you have a virus that's killing millions of people, and you just didn't know, it was scary. It was scary. Do you remember the Astros stopped off back at home and they all got the Johnson and Johnson because it was a one shooter. Because Pfizer and and, and uh, let's say Moderna. Medina, I was going to say Medina, <laughs> Funky Cole Medina throwing the ball great. According to Fangraphs, he's like an ace now. Um, 
They got the Johnson and Johnson shot. They all agreed. Because I think every Astro got it. Because remember, not every player was getting it. So the Astros did a special. They were somewhere, flew in to Houston, all got the jab, got back on the plane, and then came to Oakland. If my memory serves me correct. And then all of a sudden, whatever the restrictions were, got like, they got like, they got like, that would have been 2021 then, right? Yeah. We getting the shots in 21? 21, yeah. So that would have been in 21. I remember they were like, oh, we all got the shot. And they all got to, like, loosen up a little bit because they all agreed and it was a one-shooter. Then we, then I think some people found out you really have the two shots. Um, but, yeah, what everybody went through to win that World Series, that's why whenever it just it, – it, it drives me nuts whenever I hear somebody say, ah, oh, that was the 2020 – my God, what we were going through and what those players are going through and what we made them go through just so we could, let's face it, get the television money, that's what that was for. We played to get the TV money, and we put made these guys get into a bubble and play. And thank God they did, right? It gave us something, gave us entertainment. It gave us, gave us something to look forward to. I'd never look for Remember Matt Olson hit the Grand Slam the first game? Robert Costa was still worried about first game back. We haven't played. We haven't played. We've been out for months. There's a virus killing millions of people. We can't wait. It's open here. Extra innings. He's worried about the clock. <laughs> can't make it up. Love you, Robert. Couldn't make it up. I'm like, wait, what are you worried about breaks? What are you talking about? We have full lines lit. We haven't played. Everybody's excited. The pitcher was Hobie, Hobie Milner. I think it's who it was off the Couldn't Angels. Couldn't even tell you. I think it was Hobie Milner who – and that's where Shohei Otani was the first guy to ever be the runner on second base. <laughs> yeah. Had no clue what to like. What? I, I, do you remember they were – because we had – was that 20 or 21? That was – 2020. Yeah, 2020. But the new rules started in 2020? Yes. Yeah. Is that right? It was 2020. And I remember the camera showed him because no one knew what to do at first, right, because he made the last out. So all of a sudden they had to be like, hey, get your helmet and go to second base. And he's like, well, well, okay. And then it was a ground ball to Simeon, and they'd throw him out at third. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. No. If there's ever, you ever want a trivia question, the first runner ever, extra innings runner, was Shohei Otani against the Oakland Athletics. It was a wild game. And then the walk-off grand slam. Right, was it said who was Hobie Milner? Let's make sure that's who it was. Yep, Hobie Milner. Uh five fifteen. Five fifteen. But to go through everything that they did and that I mean, even even in the bubble people got remember um the bearded one, the red beard, Justin Turner got COVID at the end of the World Series. So even though you were in a bubble, you could still get it. I mean, that was a great team. Like, I mean. That was before Freddie Freeman. Huh? That was before Freddie yeah. Freeman. I was still, Belly was still the man. Cody Bellinger was the man. Well, he, he, he hit the bomb and hurt his shoulder. Yeah. You can't go by stats of 2020. By the pet, Cody Bellinger was still looked at as the Oh, guy. yeah, he was, yeah. Mookie Betts. Muncie. Isn't that Mookie Betts' first year was 2020? Uh, yes. Who else is on that team? Seeger. Seeger was still there. Hey, Altman yesterday on our on our program, on our pregame show, was talking about ping pong. 
Is Mookie, be- Mookie Betts the best at ping pong? I guess Scherzer has a big ping pong tournament. Is he? I mean, because we already know he's a great bowler. I'm sure he's a great golfer. Is he the best at ping pong, ping pong too? Is Mookie Betts just one of those guys? Anything he touches. I wonder what Mickey, I wonder what Mookie's like playing pickleball. Because it's a, you have to have the skills of a tennis and ping pong. But I wonder if he's good at pickleball. I can tell you right now, Mookie Betts has an on base streak of 18 games. He's hitting 343, six bombs, 19 runs scored during that streak. Dave Roberts has played with a lot of great players. Uh, you know, when you just start looking at what Mookie Betts has been able to do and who he is as an athlete, as a player, as a primetime player, and then Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman might be the hottest guy in all of baseball. How about that? You could have Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. Uh, Acuna's going to be there too, obviously. But the battle for a National League MVP is going to be wild this year. Isn't it? Wouldn't Acuna be considered the front runner? He well, yeah, because of the stolen bases. There's a lot of stuff. He has a lot of home runs and RBIs too. Run scored. That. D- have you seen Freddie Freeman's numbers? Yeah. What's what's Ronald? What's old Ronald doing? Cunha's now hitting 335, 25 home runs, 97 runs scored, 64 RBIs, 51 steals, 1,002 OPS, and a 5.5 war. Freddie Freeman's hitting 338, yeah. 21 dingers, 75 RBIs. He's got 14 stolen bases. Oh, that's a lot for Freddie. That's a lot for our first baseman? Does he lead the Dodgers? He's got 14 stolen bases. How many does Mookie have? Seven. Oh, wow. He's got a 1,000 OPS. I mean, we got two months to go. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I mean, the year he's having is pretty incredible. All right, hold on. <clears throat> Just text our good friend Juan and make sure it was – see if it's good to call now. What's he in doubles? He's got 38 doubles. Uh, I don't know. What, what's Ronald have? Uh, Ronald Acuna has – 27. Yeah, see, that's where I really have some of the doubles than stolen bases. I really have the extra bases. Then what, what was Acuna's? Uh... Oh, we're calling Dave Roberts. All right. The great Dave Roberts, two-time World Series champion, a World Series champion as a player, a World Series champion as a manager. You name it, Dave Roberts has done everything in this game. Do we got him? Dave, it's Chris Townsend with the A's. It's great to have you on again. Chris, how you doing? Uh, doing great. You know, we were just reminiscing the last time we had you here on A's Cast Live was uh, in spring training. I know COVID ended up happening, but the last time we had you on, you won the World Series. You know what? So you guys were uh, a, a huge uh, benefactor. Uh, or, you know, huge. Uh, you guys helped us, uh, helped aid this. So, Hopefully this is a sign of the times and and a look into the future, Chris. That's what we're trying to say. We might be here for you. And I was thinking about it. You know, we always think when it, when when a, when a team has a super team, that's when they're going to win the World Series. But it's not always when you have the super team. You can think about when you won it as a player with the Red Sox. And I think about this year with the team you have here. I know a lot of people don't think about this as a super team, but I definitely could see this as a team that could win the World Series. I think so. You know, and and I think last year, to your point, is like I felt we had a super team. And, yeah. uh We got eliminated in the first round. So that's the great thing about baseball is the uncertainty. And 
you can't get LeBron and company and know you're going to be in the finals, you know. So uh, with baseball, it's different. But uh, to your point, I, I just love this team. I think we can prevent runs. Uh, we have a good group of uh, young players, veterans. Uh, you, you've seen the last couple nights the way we control the zone and the situation you're hitting. So, yeah, I mean, there's some teams that on paper might be a little bit better, but I, I really like this, this team. Speaking of LeBron or a guy up here like Steph Curry, you think of somebody that just has the unreal talent. You've played with a lot of great players. You've managed, coached around a lot of great players. Where do you put Mookie Betts with all of the greats that you've been around? You know what I think? Uh, I've been around a lot of good ones. A lot of uh, guys that have been in the Hall of Fame, guys that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, But I think with Mookie's skill set, um, I, I put him right at the top, and I say that because I just don't know a player that can go out there and, you know, win a handful of gold gloves in the outfield and then come back and play major league shortstop and plus plus second base, uh, hit at the top of the order, hit homers and score runs, get on base, and not compromise defense. So um, he's a very unique uh, ball player, and I'm telling you guys, uh, an even better person and. You know, and I say that because his uh, willingness to bounce around the diamond, kick out to uh, right field in a game or come back into second base um, just opens it up and gives me more uh, latitude with the lineup. And it just – everyone's got to fall in, fall in line uh, because Mookie does that. Yeah, and then he'll go out and bowl 300. I mean, what, what can't this guy do? No, I mean, he, he's, uh, he's a single-digit handicap. He's oh. pulled uh, close to a dozen uh, 300 games. He can play darts with the best of them. Yeah. Uh, he can shoot threes like Steph. So, I don't know, he can dunk a basketball. But the great thing about him is that he doesn't realize he's a superstar, and that's what uh, just my heart goes out to him. Well, you, you, sometimes maybe you need to remind him what a good football player you used to be. <laughs> oh my god yeah you know what uh if we go to glory days i'll still take him on a football field absolutely <laughs> yeah no 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 i played against you in high school yeah you definitely were a terrific player rancho buena vista i'll never forget that uh you know when you start talking about your first baseman too freddie freeman you just look at the numbers you look at the series you look at everything i mean he does everything defense offense you talk about driving foul pole to foul pole can drive the ball did you realize when you were getting him that he was going to be this good I didn't I I didn't I I think that you know when you see a guy uh six times a year and and we saw him in the postseason and you're trying to game plan and there's really no place to go to get this guy out um but to see him every day and his relentlessness to be in the lineup um and the preparedness uh, left-handed right-handed he does it every day he values his defense you see him taking balls uh, you know when we're turning during batting practice at shortstop to keep his legs moving his feet moving and um, I've just the bat to ball the ability to hit for average to slug when you need to I've never seen anything like it so I'm certainly you mentioned Mookie we're talking Freddie right now uh, I feel very fortunate every day to be able to pencil these guys in the lineup. You end up getting quite a few players at the deadline, and we've already seen Lynn, what he was able to do. You have Kike's like a like an old glove. You you know him so well. Just talk about that haul and how you think them fitting into the fabric of your team just makes you that much better. It does, and I, and I think a little bit it gets – I think it got lost a little bit on the baseball world, the splash that we made, because – 
it wasn't right at the 11th hour. And you mentioned Kike and he's a Swiss army knife and I, you know, I trust him in, in a lot of different spots. And so to get him back, I think that the uh, familiar surroundings, you're going to see the best of him. Um, you know, Joe Kelly's a guy that again, we're kind of, uh, bringing him back and you can see how much the fans love Joe Kelly here in Los Angeles and Ahmed Rosario, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. You guys probably saw him a lot oh, more yeah. than we have. Um, but I just love the guy and to be able to have him to raise the floor, raise the ceiling for our ball club on the position player side. Um, and then Lance Lynn. So I think that Lance, we're betting on, you know, uh, him being Lance Lynn. I think this year was uh, a unique year as far as, where they were at as a ball club, but he's recharged and uh, he gave us a good one the other night. Talk about that relationship you have with the guy in the other dugout, Mark Kotze, our skipper. I'm watching Mark uh, right now throw BP, and uh, I'll tell you, man, is uh, he's one of my good buddies. But to see him um, every day, or to talk to him, and to watch him right now in the series, and see how positive he's remaining uh, with this club and pouring into the coaches, the players. Uh, I'm proud of him, and um, you you got to play the hand you're dealt. Uh, but to hear the noise outside, you know, at the Coliseum here, you're even hearing chants, and uh, to try to drown that out to keep the players playing hard, uh, I respect that so much. And uh, you know, he's a baseball guy. He's open to the information, and most importantly, man, he's getting guys playing hard for him. Well, let's end on this. We're down at the winter meetings in both of our old hometown, San Diego, and. We're around all these Padre people, all these Giants people. Everybody's talking this big game that the Dodgers are done and they're going to overtake the Dodgers. And we're sitting there at the winter meetings going, are you guys really sure about that? You have not slayed the dragon yet. Uh, what was that like going into this year where you are now? Everybody thought, oh, the Dodgers are in trouble. And here you are in first place once again. You know what? I, I, I'm, it's something that uh, we're proud of. I, I think that you know, whether you're talking about winning a winning an offseason, winning a deadline, you know, the bottom line is that we do a great job, uh, as good as anybody, I think, uh, as an organization to uh, put out a contender every year and to develop young players. And that comes with, you know, scouting and development, player development, coaching. And nowadays, as you know, that you get younger players up here that you got to still develop guys and teach them the right way to play baseball. But you know, fortunately, we mentioned two great people and Freddie and Mookie to have them, uh, you know, pour into our culture. Um, but, yeah, you hear all that stuff. And uh, we were written off on spring training this year. But here we are. And uh, like I said, I like our ball club. But we got a lot of work to do. Nothing but respect, Dave. Always appreciate the time. Good luck to you guys. Stay healthy and uh, go get it. And make a big run at it. It's going to be fun. Thanks so much for having me on. Great catching up. Take care. Dave Roberts, the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers right here on A's Cast Live. That is a big get right there, Commander. I'm texting the Dodgers right now. Tell them thank you. And Tell Juan I said we owe him drinks. Tell him drinks down at Sprint. Well, actually, tell him drinks in Nashville. Okay, I will. I'll text him. Tell him we'll owe him drinks in Nashville. We want Dave again when we're at the winter meetings. Uh, remember that? But they won the World Series. Remember, okay, remember winter meetings to spring training, how everybody was talking a big game. They were taught Jesse Agler, 
the play-by-play guy, the Padres, was like, oh, I, I was like, hey, you know, you guys beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. We were doing our previews. But you haven't slayed the Dragon because technically Dodgers have just – oh, no, 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 no. That Dragon's been slayed. The Padres, blah, blah. Um, okay, wait a minute. The Padres have slayed the Dodger Dragon. Let, let me click on my standings here. Um, Padres are 54 and 55, eight and a half games back with two months to play. Does that sound like a Slade Dragon to you? No, and I'll always remember, and it stands out, and we our, our fans can't see it, but we have his book at the corner of our desk. Uh, Hembo told us before the season started. Laughed at it. Laughed, laughed at, at it. it. Said the Dodgers would win the division <laughs> by 10, 10 or more games, and we agreed with him. He was like, if you just look at the data, the Dodgers are still way better than the Giants, are still way better than the Padres, and I was like, I agree. Like, what are you smoking? The 40-man roster is still way more talented for the Dodgers than these other teams, and here the Dodgers are. You know, they haven't been great this year. I, the guys that – this is the one thing, and I can't remember who said it, um, on the panel during the trading deadline because I, I had for you, you know, you look who won the winter meetings in 2018. Dodgers, they didn't win – not winter meetings, the trading deadline. Dodgers won it in 2018 with Manny Machado. They don't win. 2019, it's the Astros with Grinky. They don't win. 2021, it's the Dodgers again. Scherzer and Trey Turner. They don't win. Then it's uh, Juan Soto and the Padres of Soto, Bell, Hader, Drury. They don't win. It's really the teams that add to the fabric of their team. You don't alter your team. You don't – and, you know – I'm not saying going out and making a big splash is not a big deal and it can't help you win the World Series, but what we have seen lately, it's the teams that just add some pieces, some guys that you don't think are going to be like the the biggest deal. What was the guy's name? 2018 um, for Boston. Right-handed hitter. Wasn't a Who was the guy? He ended up being the biggest. Uh, he was huge for them in the postseason well, in we the were, World Series. Right before you mentioned that, I was looking. I was like, who got traded in 2020? We'll get to that in a second because I know it was a shortened season. But there were trades that still happened. Uh, what did it have been? Steve Pierce. That's it. Oh, pirate great Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce, if you say 2018, who was the biggest name at the deadline? Not a human soul other than someone out of New England would stay old Piercey. He was big for them in the postseason. What did he do in the postseason? Uh, Steve Pierce came over from the Blue Jays. Uh, postseason 2018. He yeah, he hit 333 in the World Series with almost a 1,200 yeah. OPS. The ALDS, he hit 333. Yeah, he, the three home runs in the World Series, that's all that mattered. At age 35. Steve Pierce, 2018. Not Manny Machado. Steve was, Pierce. So he was acquired for. 2018 traded by the – with cash to the Red Sox for Santiago Espinal. Who? who? He plays second base for them. Who? So cash was sent to the Red Sox too. And by the way, have you ever heard of a guy named Bob Costas? Yeah. Do you still do you have the Costas thing? I do, yeah. Well, the trade deadline in 2020, Padres won the trade deadline. Clevenger, Rosenthal, all those guys they got from the Mariners. That's what they're saying in this – these 17s won the deadline. Who else got moved real quick before we get to Starling Marte to the Marlins? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Those, are, those are really the biggest ones. So, 
this is the down the Dan O'Dowd, former GM. This is his little pet project that he put together where he's talking about the game's changed, but really should it change this much? Where and I'm I've been given to giving you this at nauseum, but it really rings. I mean I've written it down, so we're not losing this anytime soon. But trade deadline 2013 to 2022, prospects traded 573, impact players, guys that became really good players, only 3% of that 573. That's it. Guys that actually became players who actually played, just 10.8%. And then out of all those guys traded between 2013 and 2018, only 29%, almost 30, never spent a day in the big leagues. So three days in a row this has been brought up by the experts on MLB Network now. Like when I first saw it, I, it, it floored me. I was like, wow. And I'm glad I had that reaction. I've written it down because obviously this means something. It's showing you horde prospect. Always think about the future. But it's like, okay, but the data doesn't say doing that is going to work. What did Bob Costas have to say? Say I'm strongly surprised. And to the point that, okay, uh, Steve Cohen can afford to go beyond the luxury tax to an extent that exceeds some teams' payrolls, and now he can afford to eat huge portions of Scherzer and Verlander's contracts. But the idea that that is in an equal exchange for prospects, Dan O'Dowd pretty much laid this out this week on MLBN. What a relatively small percentage of prospects, even prospects highly rated, turn out to be true impact players or even useful everyday major leaguers who have significant careers. And a large percentage of them never play a game in the major leagues. So the idea that there's another Verlander or there's another Scherzer lurking somewhere there. Now, in fairness to the Mets, they did get two of the top 15 Ranger prospects in the deal for Scherzer. I get that. But nonetheless, the idea that even by 2025, They'll be able to reconstitute a team that rivals the team that less than a year ago finished the season with 101 victories. That's pretty much of a stretch. That's Bob Costas. Have you heard of him? Friend of the program. Friend of the program. Yeah, this is baseball's getting strange, man. It's getting strange. Because the unknown and the future is now more important than the known and the now. Does that make sense? I, when I say it, it sounds weird. Does that make sense? It does, and the reason why I don't want to – I'll save it. Well, let me explain it. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait till after. So what they're trying to do is they're always worried about prospects. They're having me prospects. What's your farm system? It's the, pro, it's the future. I can't trade prospects. It's all this prospects. Pro, and what Dan O'Dowd came out and said, well, you guys are saying all this, but the, the, the data says most of these guys will do zero. Zilch, nada. Very few will help you. But yet, us, the baseball fans, are always being sold now. Our prospects are here. Where the A's are, prospects mean everything. Because that future future is everything, (laughs) right, for us. But if you're a team like we have been, like, I didn't care what you're trading for if that's to help win the World Series this year. And right now, you're just starting to wonder, 
is everybody starting to play from the same playbook to where I didn't agree with what the Mets did or what the Padres have done, but at least they did something and they went for it. Like, what happens if everybody stops going for it and everybody is playing like, I want to win, but I'm worried about my future. I'm worried about my future, but I also want to win. What if we're all in this dance where no one really wants to go for it? Let's just let it play out. Playoffs is a crapshoot. I'm so worried about my future, future guys. It That's not exciting. There's no sizzle on the stake there. That scares me for our game. The first thing I thought of. I'd rather you try and go out and win the Super Bowl. I'd rather you go out and try and win the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup Final or the World Series. I, I, I do like that. I do. That's one thing. There's one thing that no matter what, if you criticize our front office, there's no way you can ever say if the A's are in it, they're not making deals. The A's have always made deals, always made deals to try and help the team in the postseason. Always. And I respect that. I mean, how do you not respect that? You cannot. David Force has been a part of this for a long time. Billy Bean's right-hand man during those years, it's now his ship. He will tell you, always, always, always the A's tried to improve at the deadline or through the waiver wire process. Always. And now these teams are like, I don't know. I want to have my prospects. And you're like, okay, I get it. And that can work. Well, how about Houston? Houston's a great example. Houston did that, but now that Houston wins, Houston's all in. Yeah. He, once, once, once Houston tasted, once they tasted the winning, once they tasted what it's like to win a World Series, you're addicted to it. It's why the Yankees, I hate the Yankees, but I respect them because they're addicted to the winning. They're addicted to winning the World Series. You know, they haven't been able to win it since 2009. They've spent billions trying to get back. I respect that. They're addicted to winning. They're, once you taste it, right, once the Astros tasted it, they're willing to hate them all you want. They were willing to risk careers to make it happen. Just like, just like the PED guys. What, what are you telling me? No, no, no. I'm just I'm, I'm waiting for you to finish because it made me think of what I told you about earlier with I don't, the Astros model and the Orioles. You're going to give me some minor league guys? Well, I'm going to tell you how Jeffrey – everyone criticizes what the Astros and how the seating scandal – yeah, sure. And Bob Costas mentioned that with Mad Dog. Like, we, you know, that was how many – six years ago now, and they've won since. But, but with the Astros – But the point is, before you get to your minor leaguers, they were willing to use cameras. Correct. Guys were willing to take drugs, not party drugs. They're willing to take performance-enhancing drugs to get better, to make money, and to win. Like, these people are, they're willing to, guys are willing to sacrifice it all. Sacrifice it all. Right or wrong, I'm not trying to play the judge. I'm not trying to play the jury. I'm just telling you facts. Certain people are willing to do anything to be successful, and those people are hard to beat. The only thing that's beat people like that is drug testing because they're out there winning, and it's the drug testing that gets them, right? What's his name who beat Carl Lewis, the Canadian? Ben Johnson. The only thing that stopped Ben Johnson was the steroid test. 
People are willing to do anything to win, and people who have that mindset, I've been in sports my entire life, people who are willing to do anything to win, you may call it pathetic, whatever, but they're tough to beat. People are willing to put snot on the ball. You put snot. People are willing. I don't got an arm like you do. <laughs> people who are going to put snot, spider, te- where's Eno Saris? Whatever that, <laughs> jalapeno juice, whatever. Cork my bat. Put uh, Ray Fossey forgot. God bless you, Ray. Ray Fossey. Ray Fossey was hurt in Cleveland. They went out there with binoculars. Remember you told that story? Wow. They'd have the sock on the one hand, guys with binoculars. Whatever. They'll do anything to win. Those people are tough to beat. And that's who the – once the Astros tasted it, they were addicted to it. They're addicted to it now. Who was their number one – they just – the guy they traded for Verlander was just picked. He was their number L- one – Last pro- year, yeah. Drew he, Gilbert. He was just picked. Yeah. And then their, the, guy, the other guy they traded was a – Another outfielder who would have, I guess he was number four, but he was going to move up to like two or three in their rankings. They just Another traded outfielder. their first rounder. Yeah. Remember, for a while they didn't have any first rounders because they got them taken from them from cheating. Well, I, and you can't even count this year's draft because those first rounders just signed. Yeah. Wait, what's Could you trade a guy that fast? A uh, guy who's just signed? I don't know how it works, but I thought that the um, – Do you have to – does he have to have a little – anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I thought the Angels did it once in the winter meetings a couple years ago. They traded the guy – that they drafted in the first round like months prior and they traded. I think I think well, there that's, some, I, I'm talking about within like a couple weeks. Yeah, I don't know if that's I mean, this the, isn't the, the I don't, this isn't the National Football League or the draft was just at the All Star break. This Remember you is, can't trade draft picks, Colin Coward. Yeah, Colin Coward. My God. <laughs> You've never and the way he tried to hide it was like, well, you know, I'm a casual baseball guy. You're a sports broadcaster. They've never traded draft picks in baseball. Never. <laughs> And he and, and the, his sidekick, Jason McIntyre, was agreeing with him the whole time. Oh yeah, I'd give up three first round picks for Otani. What? All right, don't give say. But you, but yes, the Drew Gilbert, the guy that just got drafted last year. This is where we are with the the Astros are done playing that game. How they were built, they're done playing that game. They're now the business of. Wait a minute. We're we're not ha- James Click, the guy they fired, pretty much allowed Verlander to go. And allowed Kendall Graveman to go. Jim Craden, the owner, has brought him back. But now they're playing the money game. Where Costas was interesting is the fact that the Mets are using money in a way we've never seen before. I'm going to go out and guarantee all this money. And then when it doesn't work out, I'm going to get rid of these players and I'm going to pay you an amount that makes you have to do the deal. Like this is business. I'm going to I'm going to make you an offer. It's like the mob. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. And so can you imagine you're sitting there you're you're Dana Brown, you're Houston or you're Chris Young in Texas and you go, "Okay, let me get this straight. You're going to pay me which which could be 54 million dollars." For Verlander, and I got to give you two guys who've never played before. The money has now trumped the the, the prospects. I agree. Yeah. Right. The money has trumped the prospects. Like the money is like, oh, your prospects are cute. I'm going to give you fifty four million dollars to take Justin Verlander. That's if his his option vest will be fifty four million dollars. That's insane. So we're now, and 
for I'm New York. I'm getting under the luxury taxes, so I'm saving myself money here. There now, the money has become irrelevant. And there's people, like there's baseball people, go, oh, my God, look, they got prospects. They paid for prospects. Um, they did. Yes, they did. But really. But they did the, under the salary or the luxury tax. Yeah, it really was. CBT. It's really, bargaining. It really is. Baseball people don't like to deal with the business side of it because it really is. I saved it all on the baseball. I saved it all on the luxury tax, and I got two prospects in return. That's crazy. Yeah. But, they, but they're now using money. Money is now they're they're going to like the they're going to like the local market like back in the day, you know, and they're the big swingers going. We're going to move money all around. That's what they're going to do because money now is no object. So they don't care about. Big leaguers, they don't care about prospects. They can move whatever around because all these other teams will be like, you're going to give me all this money? Yeah. Can you imagine wheeling and dealing if you're the Mets and this is how you're going to go about your business from here on out? You can go to the Mets, you can go to the A's, you can go to the Royals, you can go to anybody and say, hey, I'll throw an extra $30 million in there on that. And there's nothing in baseball that stops you from doing that. So I can just start throwing cash around. Because we don't care about cash. Cash is just money. So that's their big thing. That's the that's the new wave. You want to hold on to your prospects. It's like the whole Otani thing when everybody's like, oh, my God, you got to trade Otani and restock your system. No, they don't. They can make all this money off Otani, let Otani go, and then take this money and go buy prospects the way the Mets did. This is the new the new way to do it. I can't raise them. I'll buy them. What I learned from this after watching the Verlander trade. Uh, just don't trust Houston. Like Billy Bean back in the day like, in Moneyball? Don't trust him because, well, when they traded – here's the, here, let me give you three names. When uh, Jeffrey Luno acquired Verlander from Detroit, here's who he gave up. Uh, Franklin Perez. Who? Uh, Mike Cameron's son, Dak Cameron. He's not Mike Cameron. Sorry, Daz. And uh, Jake Rogers were the big three guys that Detroit got back. Uh, how many uh, World Series trophies or MVPs, Rookies of the Year, Cy Youngs, All-Star games have those you know guys what? reached? You know, you know what will be a better point? Go look up the Detroit Free Press and look how they tried to sell the trade. Go. Google, look it up. See what they say. See how they tried to sell it. Because this is what happens, right? You traded Verlander very last minute. Verlander, Kate Upton, his fiance at the time, talks him into the deal. She was right. You talk about, you know, your future wife helping you in business. She was right. She makes more money than he does anyway. Uh, oh, that's right. He was a waiver. He trade. was a waiver. That's it was right. the very last minute. He was he was claimed on yeah. waivers. He it went down and, and it was Kate Upton who said, This is a no brainer. Don't you want to win the World Series? Kate Upton knew. Supermodel actress extraordinaire. She prints money, by the way, from what I hear. I'm just I'm trying to read through what they wrote on it. It says like Perez considered to be one of the top Astros two pitching prospects. He's still Look early in his development. Look how they sell it. Look how they sell Number it. Number four prospect in baseball by Baseball America at the beginning of the season. I think he's out of the game. His now. Prospects are great. Look how they sell it. My uh, Dak uh, Das Cameron, uh, an outfielder whose tools are yet to advance past Class A baseball. Then they mentioned how he's the son of Mike Cameron. Ooh. And then uh, Jake Blood Rogers. Lines. Jake Rogers is a young catcher who's yet to advance past a ball. So let's see, Franklin Perez. Where's he at now? I don't. I think he's. I'm pretty sure I think he's out of base. So 
Verlander helps you win the 2017 World Series. Verlander would play in what? Two other – he played in what, four World Series for them? Uh, 17 mm, – what year other losers? They were in four. Yeah. In six years, yeah. they were in four. Yeah, he was He was in them. four. Yeah. One, two. So, Verlander helps you get to four World Series. He wins two, wins two Cy Young Awards, and all you had to give away was a bunch of guys who would never play – would never do anything in the big leagues again. It, what kind of – who, who do you think won that trade? Yeah. The Astros. Yeah, but back then, there would be people who would try and sell you that the Tigers won that deal. Because, but Verlander's aging, Verlander's cost a lot of money, all that kind of stuff. Who won that deal? The Astros. And yeah. I, I'm sorry for disrespecting Franklin Perez. He's 25 years old, and he's pitching in uh, rookie ball right now for Detroit. 25-year-old in rookie ball, he's and never, you got Verlander. He's never advanced past uh, – he's pitched in seven games in double-A, and he was one of the top 60 prospects in baseball. Uh, I don't By know. By the way, if the Tigers would have kept Verlander, they would have been better off. Why? Because they financially would have made more money. They would have had more butts in the seats. They things Life would have been way better for Justin Verlander to stay in Detroit – be an all-time Tiger, have him be celebrated, beautiful Tiger Stadium. Love that. I love Tiger Stadium. No, no, it's called Comerica now. Um, put a statue of him out in front. That would have been far more valuable than taking a bunch of nobodies who end up being nobodies, and he goes on and does everything that he has done. Daz Cameron's in the minors for the uh, Orioles right now. Uh, Jake Rogers is playing for Detroit as we speak. 0.4 war, does have 13 dingers, 104 OPS plus. So not bad, but that that's it. That's the only thing you got right now for Verlander. I think the Astros won. Yeah, but it brings me to my a point. A guy who's hitting 216. Brings me to my point about Stop. Uh, Jack Flaherty goes from the Orioles, Michael Elias, disciple of who? Jeffrey Luno. And here's the guy. Here's where the guys they got in the deal are in the Cardinal system. They now rank ninth, 23rd, and – it's in somewhere uh, 26th. What do you? I don't even know what you're talking. Those about. are the three guys that the, the Orioles gave up for Flaherty. So yeah, well, by the, the way, Orioles could pitch. Flaherty could pitch them straight and deep into the playoffs, and you got three guys you don't even know if they're ever going to pitch in the majors. Flaherty six innings today got the win for Baltimore over the Toronto Blue Jays. Ben Verlander, brother of Justin Verlander, said to our guy, and I know A's fans. Don't like our guy anymore, and we accept that. We're, we're going to understand that our our fan base and some of our friends of the program are not going to get along. Fair, yes. They're not going to go with what the what what the what certain parts of the fan base want. They're not going to agree with them, so we're going to have issues. They made a song about it. Breaking up is hard to do, um, but Mad Dog had Ben Verlander on. And Justin Verlander, would he had the no trade, would have agreed, according to his brother, to go to the Orioles. Orioles, who have a ton of prospects, were not looking to unload prospects. They'd rather go with Flaherty, maybe a brilliant deal, but they'd rather have gone with Flaherty for lesser prospects than what they were going to have to give and we don't know what the deal is, how much cash was involved. But obviously, 
you're Baltimore, who hasn't wanted to take on a lot of cash. Now that we can play hindsight here, 2020, they were looking to pay a lot of Verlander zeal. You could have got, if you were Baltimore, essentially if if the option vest for Verlander, they were willing to pay $54 million of the deal. And you got to pay like 22 or 23. And you only had to give up two prospects. Might have been your best prospect and another one of your best prospects, but is Verlander worth that to you? As a team right now who won again today, and the Baltimore Orioles right now have a two-game lead over Tampa in the AL East. But how we're going to view it is Baltimore views their future as more important than their present. Yes. Kind of like Al Davis. That you said the they, greatness is always in the Raiders' future. You said they beat Toronto, right? They beat Toronto today, yeah. I J- believe Jack that, Flaherty's six innings. I believe now I have the number. I heard it on uh, I heard it on Farron's show with uh, Jim Duquette Power Alley. That let me find it. This was yesterday, so I think it's now two and fifteen. the The Blue Jays are two and fifteen versus the Orioles and Red Sox this year. They're eight and twenty nine versus the AL East. Well, Jack Flaherty today, six innings, eight strikeouts, one earned run. Baltimore beats Toronto six to one. Toronto has now lost 23 of 31 divisional games in 2023. Only the Rockies and who have been worse in division. Boy, I, I hate to bring them. I'm going to say uh, the A's. How would you even guess that? I, you're like you're you're a genius. Because I know the Pirates aren't that bad. But you're a genius. You're a baseball genius. Pirates are using my first guess with everything, but apparently it wasn't. Okay, there. for 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 double jeopardy, Alex Trebek. What is the ra- the A's record in division for an extra two hundred? Well, if they're if the Blue Jays are eating whatever they are, six and thirty three. I don't think they played that. Uh, we played that many division games. Yeah, yeah it's a little high, a little high. Six and twenty five. Close. Five and twenty six. Oh wow! You were a little <laughs> high on how many games they. Have. We got we got some time to go here. Five. We're five and twenty-six in the West. Oh, okay, we, we, we won an opening night versus the Angels. That's one. That's wow, so. <laughs> I didn't think about that game. Can you name the games the A's have won in division? We had to beat Seattle. Go to one. the old calendar here. Well, here I, I can tell you right now what our record is. Uh, the A's this year. Here's what our record is. Against the Houston Astros, we're one and nine. Wait, hold on. We gotta, we gotta figure this out here. I have one already. opening night against the Angels. Yep, we're we're two and five versus the Angels. Yeah, I want win. So we won opening night against the Angels. Then uh, one in Texas, Friday on April twenty first to start the series. One in Texas, five four. That's two wins. Swept in Seattle. Oh, back beat Texas again on a Friday of a four-game set, 9-7. to seven. It's three wins. Beat the D-backs. That doesn't count. Uh, oh, they're, hey, by the way, they're struggling. Uh, wow. Where are we? God, you got to forget all this season's gone by. Wait, oh, we got the – oh, that's the Rockies. Houston. Right? Now he, oh, beat Houston on a Saturday. 
So four to one. Is that it? No, we're for, you're forgetting a win somewhere. Nope, I went through them. We beat Texas twice, Houston once, L.A. twice. Which L.A.? The Angels. Well, clearly not the Dodgers. They haven't won yet. Okay, we won. We, we, we lost two out of three to the Angels at home to start the right season. There. First game in I L.A. I did first game. Oh, so that's two oh, then. Where right is there, it? right next after Texas in Oh, April. okay, there it is. There's uh, your wins. Uh, A's 0-7 versus the Mariners. There you go. There's your wins. The Mariners are like the – I mean, remember how – was it last year? The, 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 what was the record against the Mariners Oh, the Mariners. Year? You told me the Mariners were a great team. Mariners are 56-52, uh, and 52, six and a half games back. What's your Diamondbacks record? My they Diamondbacks were 15 games over at one point, right? Are 57-53. and 53. My new team, by the way, <laughs> what's their song? They they have a song that they play when they they put the W fly up. the W yeah oh my go Cubs, Cubs go go Cubs go I'm a huge Cub fan now staying in it baby me and Cody Bellinger smoking weed and winning games curse of the goat Harry Carey let's do this baseball season's underway this is what they play yeah. It is the Midwest. Father the W. The Cubs are gonna win today. You, you forget Chicago is the Midwest. Go Cubs go. Go Cubs go. Hey Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are gonna win today. Go Cubs go. It's it's nice. Safe. Very Midwest. Very well, Midwest. Well, I thought we already I mean, go Cubs, go! What are we doing here? I'm I'm off track here. We have Kotze at the top of the hour, but remember, we have a we have a favorite song, and it starts like this. Meet the Mets. Politically incorrect. Meet the Mets. Yes. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the Mets are really sucking the ball. the songs you know by the way you know like the whole bring your wife i don't think that's going to play in uh modern day do they still play this at mets games it's a good question in the bay area i think we would have a uh i mean we love to uh ray jensen if you're listening he's the uh resident mets do we do they still play that at uh at at city field uh bring eight listen as a man you can bring your wife to the game (laughs) (laughs) uh is that gonna fly Wow, uh, they're going to fly we, out here. We even played to Steve Cohen. We have to wait to get that at some point. Oh, yeah. Can we play it right now? Sure. This is okay. So I, I'm i cruising around uh, websites last night, and not the websites all of you. I, I cruise around baseball sites, what you people are doing on your private time. All I know is I woke up at, I woke up to go to the bathroom the middle of the night, I look, and I have an email from you at 2.03 in the morning talking about Steve Cohen. I'm like, what yeah. the hell? Well, I mean, that's that's what I do at night. <laughs> So you don't have to. I do all the stuff that you don't want to have to look at. You don't want to. That's what I. That's what I get paid to do. So yeah, this is what I do at two in the morning when I can't. We got to realize after the post game show, I'm juiced. 
I've had coffee. I'm fighting with callers. I, I, I'm ready to rock. It's well, like, last night you were fighting with Jason Hayward and Kirby Sneed. I heard, that's what I was listening to. Folks, this guy keeps – keeps. How, he didn't say, say anything today. He, this guy is just mad. You guys – when we're talking about the trading deadline, it's like the number one thing going in sports, right? Oh, my God. You're not talking about the A's. You're not talking about Kirby Sneed. Why are you – and it's just Kirby Sneed, Kirby Sneed, Kirby Sneed, and then Kirby Sneed, first pitch. Whack! Out of the butt, Jason Hayward. I'm like, yeah, that's why we're not talking Kirby Sneed. If you're buying a Kirby Sneed jersey, good luck to you. By the way, he was the 30th reliever the A's have used this year. Good luck to you. So, anyway, this is what I do late at night. I found this, and I find it fascinating. This is the owner of the Mets. Hedge fund, $16 billion man, Steve Cohen. He's not even – I don't even know what game he's playing anymore. He's not playing the free agency game. He's not playing the prospects game. He's just playing the I got a lot of cash, and that's how I'm going to maneuver around baseball. Go ahead. I'm opportunistic. Okay, I mean, uh, I don't I don't want to roll a team out there that we're going to be embarrassed by, but saying you know, I, but we also know that you know spending a fortune, you know, everyone says I spent a lot of money and other teams did too. Doesn't guarantee you uh, a trip to the playoffs, and so I think we got to you know look and see what we need. Obviously, we're going to need starting pitching, and and we're going to have to and that's the key thing. Other than that, we you know, we got our core right. The, the, you know, the, the baby Mets are going to be a year older. So, I, you know, I, I'm not as negative, okay? I mean, it, it won't be a, as, as star-studded team as it was, but, uh, you know, you know, star, stars don't necessarily make, make for wins. Now you wonder why I can't sleep because it was like a flashback of John Gruden. John Gruden trades Khalil Mack, and a week later at his press conference goes, you know how tough it is to find a pass rusher. He literally just said, well, we're going to have to find some pitching. You just traded Verlander and Scherzer, but you're going to need pitching. Okay. I watched that last night. You wonder why I don't sleep. I was like, you're talking about, uh," and once again, folks, he is right. The one thing he is right, and something that A's fans have always complained about, money doesn't buy you anything. It doesn't. He spent the most money in the history of baseball and punted his team four and a half months later. April, when? April, May, June, July. Four months later. And they're also in He fourth. punted. He spent the most money, over $330 million. Four months later, he's punting the team. But he's not punting the team the way normally he does. He's spending money to get rid of the players. He's saying, hey, Houston, you want Verlander? Hey, Oh, no, no worry. I'll give you a ton of money for you to take him. Just give me some prospects. Hey, Texas, you want Scherzer? Yeah, yeah, here. We'll give you a bunch of money. We'll pay for the majority of it. Just give us some prospects. He's he's maneuvering around the league, not with humans, but with cash. See, baseball normally, and all sports normally, basketball's more like this. Because basketball, I might be giving you bad contract, guy's a free agent, contract goes away, right? You're moving contracts. You're, you're technically moving money. Steve Cohen has now decided that everybody in baseball is so cheap and worry about prospects that he's just going to move cash around. And everybody's going to be like, ooh, cash. Because that's what he did, right? I'll move, I'll move the human beings, but I'm really moving money. He's playing. He's really, by the way, He's really playing Moneyball. 
this is really Moneyball. Because it's this uh, prospects, great players. Ah, he's moving cash around. This is a big money player. Is it going to work? I don't know. But this is really Moneyball, and it's pretty fascinating. Because he's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's like a guy at a strip club with a lot of ones, and he can do whatever he wants, and no one's going to stop him. That might be a horrible analogy. You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. No, he's putting together a team with cash. And now he's talking about he went from over $330 million to talking about the baby Mets. The ball explodes off his back. I mean, how about that? Who's a baby on the team? He went. He went not, the catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Uh, Lindor's not. The DH. Uh, Bob. How about your DH? Uh, Pete Alonso's not, not that young. Your boy Vogelbach. Oh, yeah. Oh, Luke Voigt is opted out of his minor league deal. God, I would love to see him playing for the A's. So, uh, I, I, it's I, I, we're going to follow this. Whether if you don't think it's fascinating, you're crazy because this this is really Moneyball. He's just he's just going to. This is like playing stock market. He's just going to move stuff around. It's all going to be cash. It just just happens that the humans are going with the cash, right? Old human send cash. Give me younger human. I mean that's but he's moving money. That's the big thing. It's the money. It has nothing to do with the players. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see if it works. And think about Houston. Houston's like, because Jim Crane's rich. And Jim Crane's like, you're going to give me how much to take Verlander back? 53, it's like $53 million to take Verlander back. You're going to, can you imagine the A's? Hey, A's, we want your top three prospects. We're going to give you Verlander. We're going to pay $54 million of it. You'd be like, well, yeah. Makes sense. That's crazy. To where the guy in San Diego, he's playing dumb money ball. Peter Seidler. He's using his own personal wealth to guarantee these contracts that are not working. That's not smart money ball. Steve Cohen, super rich guy. He's just floating the cash out there like it's It's only worth like $16 billion. Stop saying he's super rich. Is that not enough for you, $16 billion? No. He- All right, coming up next, we're going to have the manager of your Oakland Athletics, Mark Kotze, it's it's Thursday, normally be Friday, but we got the day off tomorrow. Mark Kotze next, right here on A's Cast Live. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, LinkSoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Today's show brought to you by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Check out their locations in the Bay Area or... You go to nestbedding.com for your mattress, your pillows, your sheets, all your bedding needs. You go to Nest Bedding 
and check out their website, nestbedding.com. Mark Kotze, back home in Los Angeles. How you feeling? Doing well, Tony. Um, you know, it's been a tough uh, start to the series these last two games, but, um, you know, we got one more tonight with JP on the mound and uh, looking forward to a ball game. You know what? We're going to get to uh, some of the players and some of the players who have definitely been playing better for your club. And JP Sears is one of those guys. But just want to address where we are with some injuries going forward. James Caprillion, I thought this was a year. And I remember talking to him in spring training about how this was a year for him to finally blossom, that he was over that hump of injuries and that finally he was going to become that guy. And once again, the injuries come back and get him. I know he had an operation on his shoulder. Where are we with the right-hander? Yeah, so unfortunately for James, he'll be shut down for an extended period of time. It was uh, a surgery that um, he felt he needed to, to have. Um, it says a lot about James, really, when you think about, you know, the last two seasons he's really tried to perform um, through, these in, through this injury. Um, he managed it as best he could. He gave himself as much opportunity uh, to go out and, and to compete, but obviously to compete without being 100%. So, you know, I think at this point in his career and where he was and, and just, you know, battling through this shoulder, uh, he, the doctor, I'm sure he consulted his agent and uh, everyone involved kind of felt like this would be the best path for, for James to, to come back and, and really put this issue behind him. And, you know, the hope is that this surgery leads to him being 100% healthy uh, the time frame for James would be to start coming back sometime around spring training next season. And I got to think for someone like yourself, you battled injuries for your entire career that I think that's one of the things that players can talk to you and bounce ideas off because you've been there, done that. That really did. you know, And it would happen here in Oakland um, in 2005. Uh, I had a, a pre-existing herniated disc that, that kind of reared its head up. Um, that season, I ended up taking three epidurals to get through that season and the off season went back to the doctors and really, you know, was uh, kind of open minded to, to the process. I went through an extensive rehab uh, that off season. Uh, that's when Pilates was really hitting its its kind of stride early on and uh, incorporated that into my workouts and, and came back in 06. And again, you know, the back didn't really cooperate that season, but I wanted to play. We had a great team. And uh, I had another uh, series of epidural injections that season, even in through the playoffs, I actually took the fourth injection uh, through the postseason, uh, along with muscle spasm injections to get through that uh, series against Detroit. So uh, I know what it feels like and I know how frustrating it can be for a player. Uh, it really takes away from just, you know, uh, it's a mental grind, I should say. And uh, the longer it, it persists, it really wears on you. And so and that offseason, I really felt I was going to get surgery, but the doctors didn't feel I needed it. And the MRI never showed a significant bulge. Uh, but then start of spring training, I go in and I'm, I'm down right away with, an, with the same injury. So um, I did, went through an extensive testing and finally discovered that I had a bulge like the size of my pinky finger that they removed from my you know area in my spine and in my, my disc area in L3-4. So that was the, the start of, of kind of the injury track for me. And uh, I feel for James, you know, I always feel for these guys that get hurt, you know, as Troy Ruiz will be back hopefully this weekend from his shoulder injury, you know, freak accident for, for Ryan Noda. 
Uh, we've had a lot laundry list here. And, you know, uh, Zach Jackson was coming back from his injury and appendicitis now. So he's yeah. appendix removed and uh, another setback for him. So it's uh, it's been a grind this year, no doubt. Yeah, and Danny Jimenez. I mean, you think about all these guys that we, you thought were going to be in your bullpen or not there. But I just got to say, you mentioned these. You mentioned Ruiz, and you mentioned Noda. I miss watching them play. That was part of the. I, I can swallow this season if you give me something to watch. Geloff is something to watch. Soderstrom is now something to watch. Ruiz was something to watch. Noda. Showing us he gets on base. The hit tool is there. Be a little more aggressive. We start seeing it. He's really good defensively, and he moves real well for a big guy. I'm really hoping uh, that the, this last two months we get those two back, Ruiz and Noda, because they've definitely been missed. Yeah, I think we'll get them back in, in the near future. I think as I talked about with Ruiz, he could be back as soon as this Giants series on Saturday. Uh, if all goes well tonight, he's going to play center field in, in uh with the Vegas team and, and, you know, we'll see how he comes out of that game and assess him. But uh, Ryan Noto, I think we'll start a rehab process next Wednesday. So two of those young players could be back with us uh, middle of August at the latest. And like you said, you know, it, it's um, a season that uh, has been a challenge in all facets uh, on and off the field for us as a ball club. Um, I know, you know, no one, um, like you said, is it, is it easy to swallow? No, it's, it's not easy to swallow. Um, but we're going to continue to work and we're going to continue to teach. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we've made some progress uh, in all areas, really, um, since April. Uh, last two nights on the mound, we, we against the Dodgers. I mean, granted, they have a really good baseball team and a really good lineup uh, yeah. of professional hitters. So it's been a little bit of a challenge. It, it feels a little bit like, um, you know, April, May did. But. Um, you know, we got JP going tonight again, and JP's a bright spot. We could talk about JP and the strides he's made, and also Luis Medina and the strides that he's made um, have really uh, stood out this year. Yeah, when you think of JP Sears, he's just gotten better throughout. And everybody I talked to him about it, even A's great, A's Hall of Famer Dave Stewart was like, I like the guts. This kid shows that he's got guts. And going to see it tonight against the Dodgers. Of course, this interview will air all week. So let's just talk about what you've seen in the growth of J.P. Sears and the trust as a manager, because he's been one of the guys that you're not pulling early at times. And if he's feeling OK, you'll let him go into the seventh and you'll let him go over 100 pitches. Yeah, for sure. You know, J.P., um, as you talked about, has been, you know, uh, from day one, just of the mindset that he wants to get better, that he wants to learn, that he wants to take it and, and take his game to another level. And, and, and you've seen the changes he's made, um, you know, in, in how he attacks hitters, how he sets up his sweeping breaking ball to get strikeouts. Uh, you know, he was pretty much two dimensional, I think early in April with the, the four seam that he liked to ride at the top of the zone and, and throw that sweeper, and now he's mixed in the changeup, which has been an effective pitch. And he can locate a fastball down and away which, and then come back up and in. So he's really learned to pitch. Like you said, he's a competitor. You love the fire, and uh, and he, you can see the, just the, the true um, you know will to win on the mound when he's out there. And we have known that Medina's got a big arm. And I remember when he came up and we were talking about a big curveball. Now the slider, we know the fastball is plus. 
And so much about life is about confidence. You can have all the ability in the world, but until you have that confidence and it looks like he, he has developed some confidence. He looks like a different pitcher on the mound. You're seeing it in the data. But I think more importantly, you're just seeing it out there when you're watching it. Uh, you know, a place like Coors Field can be a tough place to pitch. I just, I've been real impressed with him lately. What is the difference for you in Luis Medina? Yeah, I think, I think the mindset, I think the mentality, um, but I also think he's, he's one of the players that's really coachable. Um, he's open-minded. He's really taken to, you know, Scott Emerson and Mike McCarthy and what they've done with him. You know, there was a label on him uh, in the minor leagues that he, he lacked command, that it was going to be an issue at the major league level. Uh, we've seen spurts of that, but his last outing in Colorado, um, he was pretty dominant. And that slider has really taken shape. They've worked a lot on it. Uh, it's a swing and miss. It's a true swing and miss slider. As you, as you said, you know, his curveball um, is, a, is a pitch that can he can use as a weapon. Uh, you know, it's still a strike. He can possibly get a swing and miss with it. But really getting him in the zone, like as you said, he's got the, the, the stuff to, to really have success at this level. And now we're just honing it in, and, and he's starting to, to believe in it, and he's starting to get that confidence. And what I love about him is he's just a young kid still. He's, he's you know, from the DR. And uh, and he knows what it means to to uh, go out and fight and go out and compete. And uh, and you can see that on a daily basis. And it can't be easy for him. His his wife is, I believe, a doctor in the Dominican Republic. And they have I believe they have a daughter. So that's got to be tough when he's so far away from from his wife and daughter. Yeah, a lot of these guys, you know, you look at uh, Felipe, who we acquired from the Padres. He's 21 years old. He's got a wife in boston they just had a baby um you know about 10 days or 14 days ago um so yeah it's a challenge for those guys their family lives um are, are uh, for the most part you know at a distance and um you know but what's beautiful about it is you establish that relationship with them you get to talk to them uh and and ask them about their families and you can see the joy in their eyes when they when they really talk about their kids and and their relationships back home yeah, us old guys, you know, start talking about college and graduations, and uh, you forget about babies. <laughs> I mean, that, kind of, that was a long time ago, Cots. A long time ago. It was a long time ago, and uh, but yet, you know, it seems like it was yesterday. So uh, you got to enjoy every minute, don't you? Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it goes fast. Uh, Sunday, you know, we we've started this. I think it's very important. The Ace Hall of Fame and all the different players that have gone in and even people are non-players you know we have steve usinich and then what he means to this organization he's on the program today also as our ace historian but you know when you talk about a guy like gene tennis who won three straight world series carney lansford who was on a team that went to three straight won one and he was such a great player and then a guy that you know well in jason giambi i think it's going to be real special on sunday and it's going to be very emotional yeah, it'll be a great day. And, uh, you know, last year, um, watching Vuce go through it um, and the inductees, uh, you know, we were in the dugout. We'll make sure we're all in the dugout. It, it, it does mean something. This this organization, the history of this organization, uh, we wouldn't be where we're at today with this opportunity to wear the uniform uh, and be proud of it if it wasn't for these these guys that, that laid the groundwork before us. So uh, exciting day on Sunday, big weekend against the Giants. Um, 
you know, we lost two tough games in San Francisco. So, uh, you know, we'll look forward to, uh, you know, welcome, welcoming them in. And I know it's going to be a, a big crowd on, on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Isn't one of those, I, I know every game matters, but you, you got to want to smoke the giants. <laughs> Come on. You be honest. Yeah. There's not a team that I wouldn't rather beat this year than, than the giants. So, um, you know, look forward to that series. we got Blackburn and Medina going Saturday, Sunday. So, uh, it should be fun. Yeah. And just a weird scheduling coming up a day off tomorrow, uh, and then you're going to have all these Wednesdays that you're playing day games and you're traveling. Just kind of a weird schedule the next two months to finish this thing out. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, we'll travel, I think, the next six Wednesdays. So um, it can be a little bit of a grind, but August is a grind. And, uh, you know, September's right around the corner. And before you know it, uh, we'll be looking at uh, the end of the season. So, um, you know, we're thankful we still have uh, – seven weeks to go and we're going to put our heads down and, and continue to work and continue to improve. And, you know, like you said, uh, welcome back, hopefully a couple more younger players to this roster and, uh, and see what we can do and see what, see what they can do uh, in the next seven weeks. Enjoy the day off and we'll see you this weekend. All right, Tony. Thanks for having me, buddy. It's the Mark Kotze show brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out the locations in the Bay Area or you go online, nestbetting.com for all your betting needs, mattress, pillows, sheets, you name it. Check out nestbetting.com. The Mark Kotze show. How about that? I mean, it's not easy, man. It's tough. People got to understand it's tough. It, from everybody's standpoint. It's tough as the manager. It's tough as the GM. Just the baseball side of it, because the baseball side has to be. It's not on the same side as the other stuff, right? You're the baseball side. It was something that Billy Bean struggled with all those years because there wasn't there wasn't somebody to speak up about what was going on. So everybody went through Billy and Billy's like, I handle player personnel. I don't handle stadium issues. And, you know, there's a lot going on to say the least. And there's a lot going on. Dave Roberts referenced it in the interview. You know, the other teams, they're hearing these chants. They're hearing this stuff. So people know there's a lot going on. And so it's just tough. It's tough for the – I don't think it's tough for the players, really. They may say it, but the players – I don't think the players care. Probably right. Yeah. I'm just – Now, Mark Kotze, who's been around this a long time, and David Force, who's – I mean, David Force – David Force has been around this so long. He was single and young when he got here. He's now been married for all these years – Kids are now much older and teenagers. I mean, he's he he he's grown up as a man here. I mean, this stuff's not easy. It's not. It's it's just not. You know. And I'm at a point to where I've done this already with the Raiders, and it and it's it is horrific. And I guess I just I I'm starting to get callous to it because obviously there's people who are going to take shots at us. They're going to say negative things about us. And it's just like, man, if you if you even knew what it was like to walk in our shoes, if you had any idea 
the balancing act, what we have to do, if you had any idea. So go ahead, take your shots. I, 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 I'm over it. I mean, it is what it is. It's a mob mentality, and if you're not doing what the mob wants, they're going to try and tear you down. We're going to put on the best show we can put on. I mean, we're putting on a show where we've had Carney Lansford, Jason Giambi, Brian Kenny. Today we got Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers. Just had the manager. We've had the GM on. We're going to show nothing but respect to them because they're our colleagues. We, we all work for the team. They're our colleagues. We're all in this together. The good, bad, and the ugly, we're all in it together. And if that's not good enough for you, I understand. I'm not forcing you to do anything. I'm not forcing you to consume anything. And the problem is is that a lot of the people who pop in, pop out, take shots, are not the loyal people anyway. But it's just it is what it is. It's a tough, it's a tough situation for a lot of people in a situation where you have no control. You have no control over it. You know, that old Jim Harbaugh, control the controllables. And I actually think that Robert Costa has Scott Emerson saying control the controllables. But, yeah, we can't control anything that's going on. We can control this. And that's not good enough for people. That's never going to be good enough for people. Right. We don't we don't make any business decisions. I mean, the only business decisions that we make are like with sponsors and I get sponsors and I bring sponsors on and stuff. I make those lower level decisions, but I don't make the we don't make big business decisions. We're not in those meetings. We're not consulted. We're not consulted by the team about about players. I mean, right. But it is what it is. You could have asked more content by Kirby Steen, though. Kirby's name. I'm sorry. I, by the way, I don't have it. If for some reason it didn't load on this computer, I was at the Marvin Bernard plaque at Oracle Park the other day. We'll show it on Monday. That's real. I was joking. That's real. What? He's on the Wall of Fame. Yes, he's really on the Wall of Fame. Marvin Bernard's on the Wall of Fame. Yes. Yeah, well, we got to go. We're we're getting close to pregame time. And we're getting. I was joking about that. He's really on there. He's on the wall of fame. Marvin Bernard is on the wall of fame in San Francisco. <laughs> yep. I'll, Stop it. I'll, I'll, I'll show the. I'll, no. We'll full screen it on Monday. <laughs> There's no way Marvin Bernard's on the wall of fame. Oh, God. All right. Coming up next. Seriously, I've been joking all this time about Marvin Bernard being on the wall. You found him on the yeah, wall. Yeah, what, my, what, we Who's went, he next to? Uh, right above, uh, he's above Jason Schmidt. Is Jason Schmidt going, really? Who's this guy? <laughs> Ace Dodgers next. Ace Total Access brought to you by Chevron. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 
This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.